Welcome to Trashy Divorces, everybody's favorite good podcast about bad relationships. I'm Alicia. And I'm Stacy. Thank you so much for joining us for today's tale of marital misadventure. This is a real Trashy Divorces classic, one of our very favorite episodes ever. You got that right. Miss I Will Survive Herself, Elizabeth Taylor, a legend in life and on the screen and in our Trashy Divorces universe too. All the way back in 2019, May 2019, can Mm -hmm. you believe it? I can't. We were so delighted to have our friend Erica Kelly from Southern Fried True Crime join us for the expansive Elizabeth Taylor episode. We are going to be bringing that episode back to you this week with a bit of a twist. What did you do, Alicia? Oh, this week we are so lucky to have the talents of Andy Bellotti from Astrology with Andy for a really real natal chart reading of Elizabeth Taylor. Be sure to check social media or TrashyDivorces.com if you want to view Elizabeth Taylor's natal chart and follow along. Andy Bellotti is some kind of wonderful with his talents. You can discover more about his skills at AstrologyWithAndy.com. Andy kicks us off and then we go back in time to that original episode from season two. Can you believe it, Alicia? Oh my gosh. Four years and counting. All thanks to you, friends. Trash Pandas, we love you. We adore you. We really hope you enjoy this. Have a great week. Let's go, go, go. Andy Bellotti, our very favorite from Astrology with Andy, you are back with me today for a very special episode. Yes, happy to be here. Welcome, welcome. I have challenged you with the chart of one of our favorites around here at Trashy Divorces, Elizabeth Taylor. You have been nice enough to pull Elizabeth Taylor's natal chart for us, Mm -hmm. and we are going to dip down a little bit into the lady who was so in love with so many men who so much of the world was in love with. Welcome, welcome. We're so excited you're here. A very interesting chart. Lots to cover. So go ahead and set it up for us, Andy. Elizabeth Taylor is a Pisces gal, born February 27th, 1932. 2.30 a.m. in London, England, which gives her a Pisces sun, a Scorpio moon, and a Sagittarius Ascendant. But really the most fascinating things in this chart are the aspects, which as a reminder, aspects are the mathematical degrees through which different things in the chart are communicating with each other. Case in point, she has a Pisces sun, but not only is the sun in Pisces, it's also directly opposite the planet Neptune, which is the planet that rules Pisces. Now, the planet's in and of themselves are are neither good nor bad. However, based on the aspect they're involved in, that tells me as an astrologer, are you getting that planet's more positive qualities or are you getting more of the challenging qualities? When involved in an opposition, any planet will confer its more problematic qualities. So here we have Neptune in an opposition to her sun. Now, Neptune by opposition is the epitome of fantasy, glamour, confusion. Also, it is a planet that has to do with escapism, 
alcohol, drugs, etc. So when somebody has a, a Sun-Neptune opposition, what can happen is that they can very easily fall into patterns of self-delusion, or they can overly romanticize things. They can live in their own fantasy world. They're much more prone to addictive behaviors and even addictions. But also whenever somebody has, you know, the sun in Pisces with any kind of Neptune contact, Pisces and Neptune are the sign and planet respectively that rules film, that rules movies, that rules show business. And especially again, in this very glamorous way, which explains why when you look at her career, her public persona, she embodied that Pisces element of Hollywood glamour at its peak. That is fascinating. I have so many questions about this chart since we do have quite a few planets in opposition. We do also have a few in conjunction as well. Let's back up and pretend that we did not know the fame, the legend, the legacy of Elizabeth Taylor. If you were to see this chart, your client presents with this chart, what would be the most immediate things after that sun in opposition with Neptune that really grab your attention? Without a doubt, Venus. There's two things here about Venus that stand out to me. Now, Venus is, among other things, the planet that has to do with relationships, romantic relationships. How do I like to approach romantic relationships? And really also, what will be the general flavor of my romantic relationships. Well, first of all, speaking of conjunctions, she has Venus and Uranus, not even next to each other, literally right on top of one another. Wow. Uh, Uranus and Venus are both at 17 degrees of Aries. So they're not even like standing side by side. They are literally at the exact same degree. This is a great time to ask if I've got a minute because I see another one of these the sun and mercury, mercury mm -hmm. are mm -hmm. seven degrees as well. Tell me what that additional number that almost looks like something would be squared or cubed mm. over here in that 17 degree section. You've got one that says 04 and one says 010. What's that difference? Yeah. So the larger number, the 17, is the degree. And then the smaller number is the minutes. So 17 degrees in four minutes for Uranus, 17 degrees in 10 minutes for Venus. And the analogy I can use for that is that it's like if you're reading a clock, you have hours, minutes, and seconds. So this would be like saying one event happened at 3.25 and 11 seconds p.m., and the next event happened at 325 and 14 seconds p.m. That is simply incredible. How close are they? Perfect. Thank you for breaking mm -hmm. that down for me because we've got another one of those similar now we know. Exactly. And, and the thing is that ultimately, though, what really matters is ultimately the larger number, the degrees, because this is just getting so, so specific. So Venus it's all about romance, relationships, how I conduct myself in relationships. How do I like to be pursued? So, you know, here we have Venus and Uranus. And Uranus is a planet that has to do with things that are very start and stop, very sudden, very electric. 
you know, being swept off my feet by somebody and then also suddenly breaking up. That's a very Uranus thing. So whenever I see Venus Uranus, that already gives me a sense of somebody whose love life is going to be marked by very sudden starts and stops, sudden attraction, sudden breakups. Uh, my life suddenly changes because I meet somebody. And, you know, Uranus in astrology rules things like lightning, electricity, earthquakes. That gives you a sense of the energy. It's not inherently good or bad, but without a doubt, when I see Venus Uranus, this is not the chart of somebody who, you know, meets somebody in college, they get married five years later, and they're together for 50 years. That's not Venus Uranus whatsoever. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> it's the exact opposite of that. Yes. Now, on top of that, there's another thing, another factor here affecting her Venus that stands out to me immediately, which is Venus approximately 90 degrees away from Pluto. So this would be called a Venus-Pluto square. And this is a biggie because Pluto by square is all about intensity, drama, jealousy, possessiveness, power struggles, manipulation. Whenever I see either Venus-Pluto, whether it's a conjunction, meaning right next to each other, a square like we have here, 90 degrees, or an opposition, I always tell that person, understand that you are somebody who will always crave intensity in relationships. There's nothing wrong with that because Pluto is also very passionate. Pluto is raw sexuality. Pluto is, I want to go to the depths of hell with you. So there's always going to be a certain degree of that. The problem is that with Venus square Pluto, what can happen is if we live it out in a more problematic way, we want to get way too serious way too soon. And there's no sense of lightheartedness, fun, and levity in any relationship. So when I have clients who have this, and I have many, I always tell them, understand that one, in order to not get stuck in this really heavy aspect, one, you have to let relationships unfold organically. You don't want to suddenly in three months say, I want to get married to you. I want to live with you. That's, that's the negative side of Venus-Pluto. And you also have to watch whether it's you doing it or somebody doing it to you. Anything that can be labeled as possessiveness, jealousy, wanting to know what the other person is doing all the time, or the sense even that somebody belongs to you or that you belong to somebody. And I think we saw how this played out where she had these very tumultuous, passionate, dramatic relationships. Every single one of them, some more than others, one more than one time. <laughs> and that goes back, you know, this whole idea of also breaking up, getting back together, breaking up again, getting back together. Very Venus-Pluto. You know, I, I always say Venus-Pluto, again, conjunction, square, or opposition – is the epitome of what I call, you know, soap opera romance. High drama. Yes. And the problem is that when you have this, if you don't work on it, you romanticize all that. This idea that, you know, we're meant to be together and that's why it's so dramatic. And, and we just have to fight it out. And most times it's like, no, you need to be in a, in a dynamic that's much calmer. So this is the layer that I love to unpack with you. So we have our Venus in square to Pluto, 
But then we've got Pluto in conjunction with the little moon trining the moon over there in Scorpio. How yes. does that moon, because the moon rules our emotions, all that good stuff. How does that play in to the levels we've just built in this natal chart universe? Absolutely. Well, it's worth pointing out too, the moon is in Scorpio, the sign ruled by Pluto. So already, and see, this is why looking at a birth chart is so important because she is a Pisces, but this is a very Pluto heavy chart because the moon is in Scorpio, which is ruled by Pluto. The moon is trining Pluto and Pluto is squaring Venus. So we have a lot of these Pluto themes. Now, the moon trining Pluto or the moon being 120 degrees away from Pluto is one of those aspects that I always say is, is the aspect of the survivor. Mm, because Pluto is about, yeah, Pluto is about crisis, transformation, metamorphosis, death and rebirth. When you have the moon or the sun in a trine 120 degrees away, which is beneficial, harmonious to Pluto, that is one of those aspects that gives you the ability to regenerate the ability to keep going you know there's some charts that i see that are more prone to i hit an obstacle once i fell down and i'm splattered on the floor when you have moon pluto you go through a fair share of drama but yet you always keep getting back up and you keep going and that is elizabeth taylor survivor tragedy death of mike todd multiple addictions weight up and down, problems in Hollywood, problems in her love life. I mean, times of tremendous happiness, but times of tremendous struggle and difficulty as well. She lived through a brain tumor. Like she almost died a number of times. She is a survivor. And there's Moon Pluto. It's, you often see, too, you know, Pluto is the planet that has to do with death literal and metaphorical. A lot of times when people have very Pluto heavy charts, they often have things like near death experiences, or they might have, you know, situations where like a tumor, a, a brain tumor, you know, where potentially that could have been fatal. And they, and again, they regenerate, they keep coming back. Now she with the was moon very ill early in her career and even was pronounced dead in the papers. Don't oh, call God, it a comeback. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was something to that sort of connection to a reborn life, a challenged life, a survivor life. And also with, with that moon in Scorpio, Scorpio, the planet, the, sun, the sign ruled by Pluto. Now, with the to answer your question about the added layers, with the moon in Scorpio, it just means that she is somebody who, emotionally speaking, was actually able to handle a lot of these challenges because mm -hmm. again scorpio is a sign that is unfazed so when you have a moon in scorpio you're more equipped to handle ups and downs in your careers and you also are more apt to handle the kind of emotional toll that some of these relationships took so in a way her chart was kind of tailor-made no pun intended for these <laughs> kinds of events but you but you know again if she were jane doe client coming to me the venus and the pluto stand out to me immediately what's happening over in the leo section kind of living in that eighth ninth house splitting there 
As far as you mean like Jupiter being in Leo or? Yeah, Jupiter I'm noticing is kind of out there. Uh, Definitely connected, but a little bit different in opposition to what's happening down here with the H with the cross. Why can't I remember what planet that is? Saturn? Yes. Mm. Well, what's interesting is that, so yeah, so her Jupiter is very active because also Jupiter in the ninth house, the ninth house belongs to Jupiter. So Jupiter here is very powerful because it is in a house that it belongs in. It's also in Leo, which, you know, Jupiter is the planet that rules Sagittarius, a fire sign just like Leo. So Jupiter here is very well placed and it is squaring her moon exact 90 degrees. Now, Jupiter, if you think of it, this large gaseous planet relates to the concept of things being over the top. Everything gets blown out of proportion with Jupiter when it's in a square. Jupiter moon means that the Scorpio moon, this 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 intense desire for passion, this, you know, this need for intensity is times 10 because it's squared by Jupiter. So I think what can happen is that the possessiveness, the jealousy, the desire to be with somebody and just completely meld into each other was particularly strong here. And Jupiter in Leo is also more prone to dramatics. Whereas for Saturn, if you notice, Saturn is not connected to anything here. Unaspected, just sitting out there at zero degrees, nothing close to it. Nothing, right? And so Saturn is, I always, you know, I often give the analogy that if if a birth chart and the components in it were a car, Saturn is the brakes. Saturn is what says, slow down, take your time. But Saturn here is not really activated, which explains also why between, you know, the Uranus Venus, the Pluto Venus, Jupiter and Leo, bringing up the theatrics and dramatics, this is not a chart. And also because if you notice, if we look at her elemental balance, there's only oh, wow. one thing in an earth sign, Neptune in Virgo. So not only is her chart low on earth, but Saturn, which is the planet that rules Capricorn an earth sign is also not very strong. So which is why this is a chart that is more prone to fiery, intense passion and not so much this thing of like, let me get my bearings, let me slow down, let me look at the situation from a more rational place. There's no break is what you're saying. Yes, and whereas the, you know, the accelerator is, you you tap on it lightly and this thing just goes. And the accelerator mostly is all the way down. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, (laughs) yes. Fascinating. What else about this chart would you want to unpack if you were to talk with the dame herself? Well, I would say going back to the conjunction that you asked about earlier, uh, Sun and Mercury in the same degree of Pisces, seven degrees of Pisces for both. So Mercury always travels fairly close to the Sun. At most, it's going they're going to be 28 degrees apart. They're never that far away from each other. But as an astrologer, if I see that the Sun and Mercury are three, two, one, or zero degrees apart, that's significant. And that is what gives somebody the gift of gab. It ah, gives somebody. Interesting. Mm-hmm. And also, especially with Mercury and Pisces, again, Pisces being show business, film, theater, television, it's a perfect aspect for somebody who wants to be 
this glamorous celebrity. I think that she had an ability to present herself in a way that was very glamorous because of Mercury and Pisces, Mercury conjunct her sun, Mercury opposite Neptune as well. So if we're talking about somebody who is in show business and in acting, that is a perfect, perfect aspect. Now tell me about Mars kicking over to the side here. So Mars in this situation is considered opposite Neptune. So if you notice, we have three things opposite Neptune, Mars, the Sun, and Mercury, which again, it means that all that Neptune opposition of fantasy, escapism, possible addiction, and also a little bit of getting lost in like a world of fantasy is multiplied times three. Now, with that being said, Mars-Neptune contacts in general often point to people who are very skilled in the arts because Neptune is not only film and movies and TV. Neptune is anything artistic. So when somebody has this many aspects, even though they are oppositions, it still gives a lot of artistic talent and skill. This chart is an excellent example. I know you and I have seen a few of these. I've seen a few along my way and never really quite know the 12 houses that live in that inner circle are all really normally pretty equal. Like time doesn't change per house, but sometimes in natal chart representations, for instance, here, that third house is much bigger. The ninth house is much bigger. Can you explain why that would be on a chart uh, represented that way? Yeah, that is entirely based on latitude and longitude. And so what you'll see is that people who are born close to the equator usually have 12 houses that are equal in size. Because you think about it, a chart is a circle, 360 degrees, 12 houses. If they're equal, it's about 30 degrees apiece. And so people born close to the equator usually have houses that are you know, they might be, thir- they might actually each be 30 degrees or maybe a few are 28, some are 32. When you get the further away you get from the equator, people born very far north or very far south, you start to see houses like this. And with her being born in London, that's why, you know, I have, cl- I have a few clients born in Scandinavia and they also have charts that look like this. Now I understand that. Thank you for unpacking that for me. And by I'm the like, way, do they just need more room because geometry? No, there's <laughs> a really legit reason they are that way. And this is why, not to get too inside baseball, but I do want to say this. In astrology, there's different what were called house systems. And some astrologers use what's called the equal sign or equal house system, which I don't like. If you use equal house, no matter where you live, all your houses will be 30 degrees wide. The reason why I don't like that is because to me, I believe that you were meant to be born where you were born. And I think there's something to it. And I think when you're born far north or far south, this is what your chart is supposed to look like. So I don't like to artificially create equal houses. Some astrologers do that. I just say that because some people might be wondering, maybe they're looking up her chart on other websites and it might look different. That's because they're artificially producing equally sized houses, which I don't like to do. Well, and that's one of the things I really do appreciate about you in wanting to make sure that you are as absolutely accurate as possible. I know we've talked about this in the past. Some 
websites where you can get your chart done free, plug in your birthday and your town of birth and the time and all that good stuff have a lot more colors sometime than what we see, but they are taking a wider set of degrees to make trines and conjunctions and oppositions than you do. I think you're a five degree guy. Is that right? I am. Initially I wasn't. So the first 10 years of reading charts, I wasn't. And then what I realized is, you know, these things that are really far apart, but technically supposedly aspecting each other, they don't really resonate with my clients. And that's when I decided to be like, let's cut all the fluff and just focus on the things that are really, really tightly aspecting each other. And that's where you get to the meat of the chart. Hey, Trash Pandas, when you need a brain break from your day, let me recommend the game June's Journey for Android and iPhone. It's a hidden object mystery game where you are solving a murder, uncovering family secrets, and, I don't know, exposing official corruption? All in an extremely stylish 1920s setting. Every scene takes you deeper into the mystery and introduces you to an expansive cast of characters as June Parker explores the questions surrounding her sister's apparent murder-suicide at the family's beachfront estate. Add your own elements to the island from lush gardens to gorgeous new buildings. This story has so many twists and turns. Right now, we are on a global journey attempting to rescue June's niece, Virginia. It's a great combo of gameplay. It's a memory puzzle, a design project, an intriguing storyline with genuinely fabulous art. When you want to let your mind wander, relax into this glorious 1920s murder mystery and get lost in the fun. Discover your inner detective when you download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Sibling fights are unavoidable, but what if every fight you had was under a microscope on a global scale? That's the reality for brothers Prince William and Prince Harry. They were each other's closest friends and allies since the death of their mother, but that all began to crack as they married and took wildly different approaches to their royal duties. Wondery's podcast, Disintel, is hosted by comedians Sydney Battle and Matt Belisai. Each episode unpacks one of pop culture's most iconic celebrity feuds, and they recently took a deeper look into the real reason William versus Harry started. It's actually much bigger than these two brothers, stretching back into the history of the British monarchy. Did their feud start with the royal family's mistreatment of Meghan Markle, or was it something that started much earlier? Follow Disintel on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. The other thing I want to talk about here with the moon and the 11th house, which also relates to Venus conjunct Uranus, because Uranus is the planet that rules the 11th house. The 11th house is all about being a trailblazer, being ahead of the curve, pushing the envelope. And I think when we look at, for example, Elizabeth Taylor and AIDS, especially around, you know, the conversation around AIDS in the 80s, very different than what it is today, she was a trailblazer. And that's very much in line with her 11th house moon. There's a need for her to be the one leading the pack. You know, the 11th house is also about things that are unconventional, things that are more outside the mainstream. So there's that element of it. And also, you know, the moon in Scorpio, I always say, again, people with moon in Scorpio are not afraid to call out BS. They're not afraid to make other people uncomfortable. There's other moons that are more about going along to get along. I don't want controversy. A Scorpio moon that is very evolved and healthy 
has no problem bringing topics up that other people are like, eh, I don't, I don't want to talk about that. That makes me really uncomfortable. The Scorpio moon will say, well, it's too bad, but we need to talk about it. Mm -hmm. My best friend is a Scorpio moon. I am fully aware of this. <laughs> right. And then with going back to Venus conjunct Uranus, which again, Uranus has an 11th house thing. Not only is Venus Uranus this idea, as I was saying earlier, of a love life that is marked by sudden starts and stops and sudden attractions, but also unconventional. Again, very unconventional, very Uranus. Oh, yeah. It's amazing how somebody's chart just completely picks up all the things. And, you know, I'm of the belief that, if anything, she lived, she fully lived out her chart. I would agree with that. Okay, Andy, any last sum up, anything that your heart has to get out for Elizabeth Taylor living this chart before we wrap today? Well, the other thing I want to mention has to do with all the Pisces energy in her chart. As we mentioned earlier, she has Mars, the Sun, and Mercury in Pisces, all of them opposite Neptune, which is a planet that rules Pisces. And not only, as I said earlier, is Pisces the planet that has to do with artistry and film and television and glamour and Hollywood and show business, but it's also a very sensitive, empathetic sign that is about being of service, especially helping the underdog, helping those who don't have a voice. And I think she also embodied that in the sense that she was very much about bringing light to those in society who were maybe shunned, those who didn't have a voice. She really did a lot with nonprofits, charities, and that also really embodies her Pisces energy. It's quite a remarkable soul, Elizabeth Taylor. Exactly, because also if you go back to her elemental balance, a lot of water. She has Pluto, the moon, the sun, Mercury, and Mars all in water signs. And water signs are all about feelings, emotions. They're, they're very sensitive souls. So as much as we have, you know, in her love life, all this fire, Venus and Aries, the fire sign, Venus trining Jupiter and Leo. So dramatic love life, a lot of passion. You know, I, I, I pursue relentlessly and I'm attracted to this one and that one. So her love life embodied all this fire. But deep down, she was a very sensitive soul and a very caring person. She really is one of my very, very favorite Trashy Divorces alums, one of our Hall of Famers, probably the top of the Hall of Famers. Come on. Yes, a diva through and through. Andy, I can't tell you how much I appreciate you coming, spending a little time with me today to unpack this magnificent natal chart. I really appreciate you your wisdom, your grace, your talent. Thanks for spending your time with me today, friend. Pleasure as always. Talk soon. You got it. Thanks. Well, hey there, and welcome to Trashy Divorces. This is Erica Kelly. What? <laughs> new voice, new voice. <laughs> Y'all have asked. For the trashy divorces of Elizabeth Taylor. You have. You've asked. You've asked. We're delivering. We couldn't do it without our very good friend and special guest star for today's up, Erica Kelly from Southern Fried True Crime. Thank you for Thank coming. You. We are so thrilled you're here. 
It's so had... it's so good to see you in person again, and uh, and thanks for coming to Atlanta. Of course, I love Atlanta. I love you guys. I love this podcast. Could Eliz- worked out better. Elizabeth Taylor will make you do a lot of things. Oh my god, I would do anything we're about for her. To, <laughs> so we're about to find out. So before we get to the amazing Elizabeth Taylor, yeah, let's do a quick Patreon. Absolutely. Whoa, how much fun this week has been, y'all! This week on Patreon, if you're not checking it out, let me tell you what's been happening. Trashy tidbits this week. Stacey, you did a follow-up on presidential yachts. Presidential yachts, man. I'm on a boat. I'm on a boat. <laughs> I'm on a boat. Which a little Elizabeth Taylor was on a boat for a long time, too. So many she years was. she was on a boat. It's all a tie-in. <laughs> I did an update on baby Archie and Megan and Harry yep. and Frogmore Cottage and A little bit of Kate and Will, yeah. Scandal, scandalous tidbits. Our fun with Done This Week was about the opportunity of failure. That was some amazing stuff. Hope everybody on Patreon is enjoying it. If that sounds interesting to you, you can join us over there for as little as $2 a month. I want to give a big shout out to our new patrons this week. Anna, Lauren, Shelly, Sherry, Natalie, and Lenick. Thank you Y'all so much. Are awesome. Lenick is one of my patrons. What? Yay! Yes. Double yes. shout out. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Wonderful. I Crossover. Yes, exactly. <laughs> this episode is magic. So this week... Elizabeth Taylor, Diamond Girl, yep. sure do shine. Seven husbands, eight marriages, is that right? Eight weddings, seven husbands? Yes, yes. yes. eight marriages, seven husbands. Yeah, seven she, she she recycled one. She, she did. Very eco-friendly. Did. Reduce, reuse, recycle, man. <laughs> uh, this raucous, rowdy woman and her love for life and her lust for everything booze yeah. and cuss words she did love her booze and cuss words. she was she was a badass like she's let's... my hero booze and I cuss love, words i know right mm-hmm. she also amazing. loved love i love that about her there's a reason she was married that many times married lots of times each one i think that we determined in recording that the legend of her is so much trashier than her actual relationships really really were completely that's, agree. yeah that's true so Already, let's do this. Elizabeth Taylor, Happy Diamond Mother's Girl. Day, Happy Mother's to Day to all of our listeners for whom that applies in whatever way works for you. <laughs> That's exactly it. Be a mother or something. Yeah, Mother Dragons. Yeah, Mother Yorkies. Happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day, particularly to the Mother of Dragons. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's talk about the Mother Beauty, the goddess of all Hollywood, Elizabeth Taylor. The patron saint of trashy divorces. <gasps> Pretty Love much it. true. Pretty much true. All right, let's, let's do it. Let's do it. Oh, it's a big day. It's yeah. a big day. It is a big day. It's the biggest of days. We're it's doing it. Mother's Day. No, that's not it. No. <laughs> I, I mean, mean happy is. Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. <laughs> but yes, everybody who, yeah. The mother of all trashy divorces. Elizabeth Taylor. Kind of. Kind of the patron saint. Can, patron can, saint. Can we get a vote of yeah. candle with Elizabeth Taylor on it? <gasps> oh, that might. We need a vote of yes. candle with Elizabeth probably... Taylor on it. Yeah. 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 And so, Erica, I know you love, particularly Taylor and Burton. Yes. Right? yes. That's your favorite. Yeah. So. Now, Erica, it's fun that your true crime is amazing. <laughs> I'm a fan. <laughs> But what's funny is Elizabeth Taylor and Richard Burton is how we became friends 
when we met. Yeah, I know. We talked about we, it forever. I was like, you've got to do this one. It, somehow we stumbled <laughs> on it in like the first three minutes of conversation yeah, yeah. and boom, we were in like Elizabeth Taylor. told me the idea for this podcast. I was like, you have to do Liz and Dick. So There's we no have been waiting. That. Fans yeah. have asked. <laughs> yeah. Like, come on, when are you? I'm like, nope, we got to wait because we have... No, there was a the specialist guest. Yeah. There was a bunch, like there, we got a lot of feedback after your Debbie Reynolds and Eddie Fisher story. Why aren't you? Season yeah. one. Like, oh, so yeah. Yeah. like Elizabeth is next, right? So <laughs> no, yes, she wasn't, well, but no, now, but, but now today is the day. Today. So Stacy, you and I are doing something a little strange this week. In Weird format, format mix up. Yep. We've split up the husbands. Yes. Uh, you've got half the story. I have half the story. Mm-hmm. Let me Go ahead. You guys want to get into it? Yeah. Excited? Okay. Apropos to nothing. Let's just get it out of the way. <laughs> okay. Astrology. Oh, my God. Just to, just to get out of the I'm way. I'm with her on this one. Sure. <laughs> All right. All right. I'm, Elizabeth I'm outvoted. Taylor is a Pisces, a water sign. Just to let you know, the most compatible signs with Pisces are generally considered to be Taurus, Cancer, Scorpio, Capricorn. Out of Elizabeth Taylor's seven husbands, four out of seven fell into these good match things. She ended up with two cancers, Nikki Hilton and Mike Todd, two Leos, Michael Wilding and Eddie Fisher. And what's funny, marriage one, two, three, four went cancer, Leo, cancer, Leo. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Super weird. She had a Capricorn in there, an Aquarius, that air sign, John Warner, out in left field doesn't make any sense with anything else. But four of her husbands, she actually managed to find in a good. Uh... So Aquarius is an air sign. Yeah. Okay. I used to joke about that because I'm a Scorpio and I'm water. And I always told my husband we make bubbles. Aww. So you had sweet? some astrology before. Yeah. I do. Yes. Your astrology is a little sweeter than sweet. Stacy's natural I'm a disaster day. I know. <laughs> Just kill them all. Yeah. Burned alive. <laughs> so there is your rundown. I will keep that on the ready, just if y'all have questions oh, throughout. Sure. sure. So today, Elizabeth Taylor, we're here again with our specific lens of trashy divorces. So out of a life that is 79 years long, what a tale. She's we're, incredible. Oh, my God. So we're going to fangirl over her so hard for a while. However, seven husbands. Just want to give a little bit of a brief background. I was going to say, do you mm-hmm. want to open with, because Her my, childhood yeah, my, I, I've got the first husband just and it, little, so it picks just up a, when she's 18 years old, but she's yeah. already been famous forever at this point. So oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So here's your little post-it note of how we get to marriage number one. Elizabeth Taylor, born in England, her parents scoot her out of the country along with themselves and her brother to get out of World War II. She's born in 1932. So by the time war is ravaging England, they're like, yep, going to head on over to California. Apparently, Elizabeth is the most beautiful child that has ever, ever existed. She really was. Like from, Did you see pictures? Yeah. I'm not sure of child, oh, but God, as a baby. Gorgeous. My God, as Just, a young woman, like, and this is pre-Photoshop days, so photographs oh, of her, like, holy shit. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah. Adults, kid, it doesn't matter. Everyone comments on just her stunning... So head on over to California. Mom is a semi-ish actress, but she realizes, whoa, my kid has something more amazing than I do. Mom is super controlling. Ends up 
going in for her first part, they need a kid who can speak with an English accent. Goes in for her first part. No credit. Not listed in the credits at all. But somebody sees her and is like, hey. We need that kid. She's grown up in England on a horse farm, so right. she can yeah, ride she can a ride horse. horses. She can speak with an English accent. So there you go. Here, here a few comes. Years and she can kiss, right? right. Yeah. Sorry, right. So here bad. comes National Velvet <laughs> at the age of 12, which makes her America's new favorite sweetheart child actress. Mm-hmm. So she is rolling through this preteen movie actress thing. She's not yet becoming a woman. We're going to get to that in a second. Here's something that I came across that I thought was amazing. Her brother is apparently prettier than her. Yes. Right. I remember this from the book. Ex- from oh, Furious Love. They talk it. about it. Yeah. Such a good book that you recommended. Furious Love. <sighs> One of my favorite, favorite ever biographies. So good. But apparently her brother, right, is so pretty. He's even prettier than she is. And mom, controlling mom, Wants to get him down to the studio to be to screen test for a movie, and kids like nope, totally shaves his head the night that. before. <laughs> That's badass! Like hell no, mom, I'm not doing that. I want to go live the life and be an accountant. I like it. I do not want to be a Hollywood movie star. Yeah, I mean, I think it's great. So he's apparently prettier. Oh, abusive relationship. Her dad is very abusive, and there was. Right after her first marriage, apparently they sort of reconciled because she's so uh, Elizabeth, so caring and yeah, like got it. Um, but I can imagine my dad, you know, I'm making more money today than he's ever seen in his lifetime. Yeah. He has no control. And you think about how if mom is that controlling over Elizabeth, how probably her attention is totally shifted oh, from yeah. husband to kid. Anyway, well, and especially back then too, the woman did not make more money. And then, could you imagine the Your child, child making more money yeah. than men? Like, yeah. that's exactly yeah. right. Your so, preteen, yeah, not it's... the greatest household. A super controlling mom, abusive father, and under the pressure of the studio. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Up into good girls don't want to wait. Things happen. Sure. Lead us in, Stacey. Sure. So in 1949, Elizabeth Taylor meets Nikki Hilton, Conrad Hilton Jr. of the hotel. He's the heir to the hotel Uh chain. He's apparently a piece of shit, but (laughs) the studio is really invested in this because they are filming. Well, Elizabeth is filming Father of the Bride mm-hmm. at the time. So the studio, which at the time, I, they just had such enormous power over 
the lives of the people in their employ. They arrange a wedding for the star of the movie to this piece of shit. Like the guy's 23, 24. She's 18. She's already been engaged twice. And again, these were like scripted. Yeah. yeah the whole thing. It was just a it's media. It's always for publicity. Yeah. It was just a media thing. So at the ceremony itself, the studio gets every actor who has ever played Elizabeth Taylor's parents oh and God. like puts them, seats them with her actual Together. parents oh my in gosh. the church. There are like 3,000 fans outside. There are 600 people inside. Fun fact about Nikki Hilton, his stepmother for a time was Zsa, Zsa Gabor, with whom he had an affair. <laughs> so what? So gross. <laughs> so gross. What would the age difference have been? Did you huge. catch that? Huge. Uh, like, well, oh maybe maybe not as huge as it could have. Because she might have married somebody much older, mm-hmm. but still. Yeah. So Ooh, wow. Not Ooh, sure. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Icky. <laughs> so, yeah. So the studio basically, like, marries its star off to this guy who turns out to just be, like, an abusive, alcoholic, gambling addict. They head off to Europe for a three-month-long, like, honeymoon there. Within, like, two weeks, he's beating her up. Like, just, it's just, it's a nightmare. Well, he's Um, drinking and gambling, like, just, he's gone. mm -hmm. He's done. So, fun fact, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) uh, Fun fact is that Howard Hughes is said to have offered to finance a movie studio for 18-year-old Elizabeth Taylor if she would marry him instead of Nikki Really? Mm Mm-hmm. That's kind of creepy. Uh huh. I mean, it's incredible, but it's he was well. Creepy. He tried to buy a bri- like the studio Basically. owned a bride to auction off, and he tried to well, purchase Howard her. Hughes was always scooping up uh, young that's girls true. with. That's, that's not an unusual story, but it takes a lot of it takes a lot of sack to go after Taylor. Some yeah, spot. yeah, right. Yeah. Well, I mean, she was younger then, but still, no, yeah, that's a bold move. Yeah. It's, it's gross, though. I mean, there's something gross about that. Okay, so they marry May sixth, nineteen fifty. 3,000 fans outside, 600 guests inside. The studio paid for the whole thing, had a $3,500 dress, you know, custom made for her because they're marketing Father of the Bride. Like, exactly. this coincided yep. with the, it's so gross. The dress is amazing, by the way. Yeah. Have you looked at pictures of that? Yeah. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, I saw. But, I mean, it's really sad. Like, they hooked her up with this terrible mm-hmm. person who basically ended up beating the shit out of her. One bright spot. Alicia, when they were abroad, she ends up like dude bros out gambling all night. She's playing Canasta with Wallace Simpson, the Duchess Duchess of Windsor over, I guess, in Paris. Oh, man, Uh, Man, they stayed friends for decades. Oh, did they really? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, I didn't know. That's great. Okay. So uh, Taylor later wrote, the honeymoon in Europe lasted two weeks. I should say the marriage lasted for two weeks. Then came yours sincerely, disillusionment, rude and brutal. Mm. so yeah just the drinking the gambling the being out all night the beating her up yeah i'm pretty sure that was the worst of it considering she was a pretty fun gambler and drinker herself <laughs> i mean that's a- it's, it's a good point <laughs> yeah I mean, yeah but yeah he was apparently not into like doing that stuff with his new wife well um, that's where he missed out uh, agreed yeah 100 percent. so yeah after this three-month trip she goes home moves back in with her mother and files for divorce they were married for 205 days. Wow. Yeah, and like, like six months. But, but again, like knowing the amazing power that MGM had over her life is 
it's it's troubling that it is troubling okay can you imagine obviously they didn't give a shit if she divorced that quickly because it's like okay the publicity for the movie's over we've had our wedding it's fine well that was gonna be my question you do you yeah exactly (laughs) you know the studio has that much power over you how shitty does that marriage have to be for you to be like yeah i'm out I'm 18 years old and I'm going to chalk up one divorce inside of a year and mm-hmm. fuck off because this guy is such a garbage can. Well, it's also possible that he bruised her face or something. In Oh, right? oh and the studio would not have approved mm-hmm. of that. Yeah. No. Yeah. Don't, don't, don't fuck with don't the Don't damage the goods. Wait, did we say that for you? Yeah, we can do Oh, it. fuck yeah. Fuck, fuck yes. yeah. Okay, yeah, don't fuck with the merchandise. That's basically the, That's... What the, how the studio would have looked at that. Yeah. Yep. That makes more sense. Okay. Yeah, that, so I was wondering about that too because – yeah, I mean, they owned her. They they really did own their actor's body and soul. I yeah. mean, she's definitely not the only one. Okay, so about Nikki Hilton, which, again, the family is still using that name because there is a current Nikki Hilton. This is very <laughs> weird to me because this dude, he goes on to marry an Oklahoma oil heiress, but he never quit drinking. And so, like, six years in, she divorces him. Her name was Patricia McClintock. They had two sons... And then in just a few years later, Nikki is dead at the age of 42 of an alcoholism-related heart attack. Wow. So, like, he just... I didn't realize he died that young. Yeah. He never quits uh, with his <laughs> his poor life choices. So Good for him. Yeah. Just kidding. So that's that's marriage number <laughs> it's a one. Thing. Marriage it's a, number it's one. It's terrible. Done and well, done. Well, you can see how she starts to think of him as throwaway. Like, yeah. that wasn't a real marriage. No. I wasn't in love. Right. Let me ask, do we want to do trash cans as we go along? Oh. that Let's twist it up. Let's... I think if we tried to do them all at the end, that's just too many numbers that's flying fair, around. Yeah. So, Nikki Hilton, number of trash cans. We'll ask Erica first. I forget what your numbering is. Like, do we go to five? One do to we five, go to five? Yeah. I give him a fucking five. Done. I hated that guy. Yeah. I do like five with a, a, a few on fire. Yeah. Like, I mean, just beating your... I don't... Oh, my God. Just whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Five trash cans and a punch in the nose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Perfect. Mm-hmm. Done and done. Okay. <laughs> Next. Next up. Batter right. up. I also have the second husband. This is Michael Wilding. Michael Charles Gauntlet Wilding. Fancy. Uh, a British down the actor. gauntlet. Mm-hmm. Seriously. So he was a big star in England when he met Elizabeth in 1949 on the British set of the film The Conspirator. She was 16, so, you know, she still had to marry Nikki Hilton. But when she returned to England in 51 or 52 to make Ivanhoe, she went after him. Like, he was really the opposite of Nikki Hilton. He was older. He was mature. He was secure. A gentleman? Um, Yes, he was a gentleman. He really, he was was self-made in ways that, like, a hotel air was... He was a brat, basically, yeah. Now, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah, so uh, Wilding had come into London's film scene in 1933 when he was 21. So he'd previously earned a living as like a sketch artist. He'd wandered around oh, wow. Europe like doing That's pretty cool. pictures. Yeah. So he decided he wanted to get into like film set design, which seemed like a, a good, you know, avenue for that skill. But the studio where he showed up was like, actually we need extras. So he was an extra on a few films and kind of got the bug. So he makes a stage debut in 34 begins getting named roles in films in 35. And it was like seven or eight years of just hard work, steady work, like learning the craft. And then he's just a star. Like in 43, there's a movie called Dear Octopus. In 44, English Without Tears. And this is the war years too, when I'm sure the British public was craving, you know, distraction from 
all oh, that's all when of a lot them. of the great films really you know mm-hmm. yeah by the late 40s he just had this like string of successful films with the actress anna nagel and it looks like it was a mix of dramas and romantic comedies but like I was like, oh, this is like Tom Hanks and Meg Ryan. That's what's uh, happening here. Nice. Because yeah, the two they just kept they just kept getting cast together and like the movies just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And then he kinda like stepped away, paired with other, you know, leads. It was just never as charming. Didn't work. <laughs> yeah. So his his star was sort of starting to decline then around the time that Elizabeth shows up for Ivanhoe. So anyway, they get married. Let me see if I have the date on that. I think I jumped into this story about their their house. All right, so they get married. 1952. Thank you. You're welcome. Early in the marriage, they were living, I guess they were probably always living in Beverly Hills. So one day Elizabeth notices that the house behind theirs was for sale. And, you know, it's all like walled compounds over there. So, you know, she's 22, 21, 22. She's like, hey, I want to go look at that house. So they climb the wall. And like <laughs> trespass onto the property. Perfect. Find an open window, climb in, and just like check it out. And it like turns into their hideout. Like it's a clubhouse for Elizabeth Taylor and her much older husband, who I think is probably just humoring what the fuck do? out just of like, her. Bring yeah, over liquor and cards. Yeah, they That's stock hilarious. they stock the fridge with beer. The realtor will <laughs> I think show that's up. Romantic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The realtor will show up with all. like prospective buyers. Apparently, they're always pulling the for sale sign out of the yard. So that nobody will notice. That That's hilarious. <laughs> anyway, they eventually got a uh, loan from MGM and purchased it. So this thing hit the market in 2018, and I found a curbed story. It was listed for 15.9 million. Whoa. Had, had not been sold in 21 years. So this is what it said. It turned out that uh, Westlake Village architect George McLean had Taylor in mind when designing the lavishly appointed estate, the house. Thank you, Ruby. The house is being sold with an adjacent lot and sits on more than two acres of land off Beverly Estates Drive, just above the Beverly Hills border. 7,761 7, square feet of Whoa. living space. Good six Lord. bedrooms, seven bathrooms, with walls of glass, plenty of access points to outdoor courtyards and patios. The grounds are dotted with vegetation, sculptures, and fountains, along with a swimming pool and a spa. The, the pool deck offers impressive views of the surrounding hills and city below. And I'll link to that because, God, the pictures are wow. yeah, yeah, staggering. So not everyone in Elizabeth Taylor's orbit supported her engagement to Michael Wilding. So here we introduce... We have some objections, some, some conscientious objectors. Yes. <laughs> gotcha. So this personality is new to me, but I think not to you. This is Hedda Hopper, the <sighs> extremely oh, powerful gossip columnist, mm-hmm. was fully against it. And went so far as to, like, hint in her column, and again, this is the early 50s, that Michael Wilding and a, another actor named Stuart Granger were lovers. Oh, yeah. That's all they had to do back then, really. Yeah. Wilding sued for libel. He won $3 million. What? Yeah, you can't throw that around in uh-uh. the 50s. No. No, no. And Hedda Hopper would go on to distinguish herself not in a good way during the Red Scare by naming suspected communists. Because she was a bullying piece of shit. No, she's yeah. kind of a jerk. Yeah, she's kind well, of. Well, that's ass. we're gonna. She comes back up in one of my stories, but she was the one who originally super promoted Elizabeth and was a hundred percent on her side when she was very young. Okay, look at this. Star. She probably felt possessive of her. Though. Yeah, yeah. And so had a Everybody Hopper did. felt that it was certainly her business to involve 
yeah. herself in Elizabeth's business through the rest of her life. You gotta wonder in a way if she didn't actually truly mean it. Like, she didn't like the guy. She didn't think he was right. Like, if she felt that strongly about Elizabeth. Yeah. Like, I'm trying, I'm really trying to watch out for you here. Yeah. Yeah. Because they wound up not being a good match, obviously. So, but also calling out your friends to sell out communist like oh no 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 yeah that yeah it seems like pale. yeah she seemed to feel pretty possessive over everyone's life in holly like that's true uh, that was it's a weird story I mean, and and making up things is just not not cool <laughs> fake news all right so michael's career in england had already begun to decline and of course hers was just ascending so the February 1952 wedding, I did have the date, um, <laughs> to Elizabeth, it really seemed like it was going to open doors in America, in Hollywood for him, because, you know, huge star in England, but they hadn't really crossed the pond. Right. So in May, MGM signs him and offers him a role in the film Latin Lovers. He would be playing a romantic rival of the lead seeking Lana Turner's affections. <laughs> Terrible. Um, and he, he turns it down because he doesn't feel like it's a meaty enough role for, a, really? a, for an actor of his caliber and stature. Turns down the first studio role offered to him. Right. Wow. And the studios, okay. that is not how the studios play. So no. they suspend him without pay. There's this whole like <laughs> suspension process that, I mean, I think yeah. he knew that's what would happen, but like just bold and ultimately a very bad gamble. Like he ends up making some movies, Torch Song in 53 with Joan Crawford. He got loaned out to 20th Century Fox uh, in 54 for The Egyptian, which, like, was a flop. In 55, Elizabeth goes to Texas to film Giant with no. Rock Hudson, a lifelong friend, James, James Dean, Dean, who ended up dying before the production ended in a car accident. It's tragic. Um, yeah, this, I mean, I assume that this experience was searing for Elizabeth yes. Taylor. More, you know, more bad news. So the confidential the gossip magazine kind of the original hollywood gossip rag i think one of them is that true okay well i mean there was screen time there's photo play yeah, i mean there's there a, a, bunch, a but... thousand of them but confidential was the first one really to go in to spill in the tea and right. the dirt because okay. they if they had a verifiable source what other news outlets would never dare print just because it wasn't well, they it was too much. Nothing was ever too much for Confidential. Yeah, they spilled some tea about Michael Wilding. So, according to Confidential, he started spending time at the appropriately named Strip City. <laughs> what do you think happened there? They um, cooked a lot man. of steaks. What's up? They cooked a lot of steaks. <laughs> Prime Rib Village. Oh no, my um, God. He's bad. Strip City with uh, Elizabeth out of town ends up bringing some of the dancers home and uh, has an affair. The studio, shockingly, was not really happy to have this story out in the world because they, I mean, again, they have a product that is world's sexiest woman. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you like, don't want her cheated on. No. If she yeah. can't keep her man happy, who in the hell has any hope of keeping their, like, yeah. they, they were incensed. She was much more sanguine about it, but they divorced the next year. Yeah. They did have two sons, and she went on to say of Michael Wilding, he was one of the nicest people I'd ever known, but I'm afraid I gave him rather a rough time, sort of henpecked him, and probably wasn't mature enough for him, and a 20-year age difference would do that. So. Well, that's you gotta it. like that she takes responsibility for it, too, though. Yeah, like, yeah. I appreciate that honesty. She is, like, she is so generous yeah. to yeah. her exes. 
consistently. And she's, she's genuine. She's a genuine mm-hmm. person. Yeah. Despite everything. Well, yeah. I think with Elizabeth, she always just, I mean, she's living right there. And there is part of her, like, I'm not condoning abuse at all. <laughs> Nikki Hilton abused her. Yeah. But on the opposite side of that, there's something very much in Elizabeth's makeup that likes that caveman sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Which I don't think Michael Wilding was no. at all. Well, that's, is, that's right. getting to this. Like, she dared him. Like, they're doing a crossword one day, and she's being whatever she's being. And she's like, hit me, slap me, like, get mad at me. And that sh- and he's a proper British gentleman, also a Leo, mm-hmm. like, tender and regal and royal and i don't need to know that's not the way i roll yeah so i don't think he was i don't know quite masculine he was strong arming he wasn't butch enough for her. <laughs> he wasn't butch enough <laughs> I mean, for her. that's fair that it seems fair i mean I, I think though that they did go on to have like i think they remained for obviously their yeah. co-parents yeah yeah i think they remained you know warm for he the rest wasn't of butch enough. his life but guess he was <laughs> Mike Todd. Oh God! Yes. Oh, sorry. Let's do trash cans for Mike. Oh, Wilder. sure. Sorry. Sure. Not. Not. I don't know. I mean, two like, and a half. Strip City sucks, but yeah. yeah. That's but that's what you. Yeah. Yeah. That's milder. It sounds like she really was not looking for like a hot, sexy marriage. She was looking for a stability. Like, yeah, for like a. Well, she was. She was never alone. Yeah. She went from marriage to marriage to marriage to marriage until right. she landed in her fifties. Until she spent. Seems about like right. Like a decade as a single person by herself. So when you relationship hop and never get to know yourself and yeah. you're only knowing yourself exactly through right. the eyes of other people, you have to be in a relationship because you don't have that mm-hmm. worth on your own. Right. So And he was sad. the opposite of Nikki. I mean, yeah. oh, very he much definitely so. didn't have that many trash cans. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Two, two and a half. That seems fair. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and he went on to live, I, I think he passed away in 1979, but he had epilepsy and fell oh, and wow. got a head injury, which ultimately killed him. Well, that's, um, sad. that's sad. Yeah, but I mean, you know, again, like, not, but, Nikki Hilton is tough to, <laughs> you're going to trash can your life, <laughs> tough to top that. So he didn't. No, I, I mean, I, I kind of know where the story is going, but that might be the highest ranked. Nikki Hilton is just a scumbag. Oh, I, yeah, okay. I so, yeah. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well, that's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble, with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. So who is butch enough for old Elizabeth Taylor? <laughs> tell us, tell My us. Todd. Now, this is the eight marriages, seven husbands, once a widow. Mm-hmm. This is sad. Uh, you guys, uh, y'all may remember us telling a little bit about Mike Todd in the Debbie Reynolds, mm-hmm. Eddie Fisher, trashy divorces back from season one. 
think that's like episode three, if you want to go check that out. Something like that, yeah. Mike Todd, gosh, he's older, twice her age. 40, late 40s. She's 24. He's in his late 40s. But he is a superstar. He has invented this particular way of filming that takes multiple cameras. But he is a big deal. He's got plenty of money, plenty of talent. He is vital AF. Let's go ahead and... Man's man. That's everything you hear. He -hmm. is. He's a man's Mm man. And Elizabeth, I think, looks at him after being dominated by the studio system. Mm -hmm. Hey, you know what? This guy can break me out of here. This is what, to me, is amazing. Their humor matches each other. Like, Elizabeth is kind of body. So (laughs) is Mike Todd. Like, she's kind of raunchy. She's always out for a good time. That's one of my favorite things about her. She's so real. Yeah. Right? 100%. They fight a lot, but they're turned on a lot by their fighting. Like, they love that uh, give and take. They are, Shirley MacLaine says they were an ideal pair. They were equal in force of nature. So, Mike Todd, married to the most beautiful, he's not threatened by mm-hmm. her salty independence. He's like, Psh, do what you want. He's kind of proud of her. He likes when she goes on a little yeah. sassy. Yeah. And... She's not on the opposite end holding him up for anything. Yeah. He is an extrovert. He's a star in his own right. They are very, she doesn't have to baby him. Yeah. They're very much on equal footing. Yeah. He seemed like just utterly confident, Mm -hmm. but also utterly competent. Yeah. Yeah. And And I think that was really important mm -hmm, to her. yeah. Yeah. There's, there's no competition in this. They, she can relax with him. He also really loves her. Yeah. And uh, it was a love match for sure. No, he says, I wanted to grow up and marry Elizabeth Taylor. And I did. Oh, like, no, right? I know. Uh, they elope February in Acapulco. Now, Elizabeth is recovering from a surgery. So she is in a metal break. Like, it's scandal. Yeah. He's twice your age. And she's like, I am in a metal brace at 24. Is this the back surgery? Mm-hmm. Okay. Super, she has super broken. Two adult lives at this point, in my opinion. Yeah, no, that's true. And he's hopping around like a thirteen-year-old. Yeah. Like it, age is irrelevant, and like it was such an mm-hmm. irony that she is so young and broken, and he is older and just in the prime of it. Let's see. They head to Acapulco. They get married. This is a sweet story. They have a quiet ceremony. It's very simple, and they're at the party that night and Mike Todd has arranged they're sitting there having a drink fireworks light up the sky M loves E E loves M no 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 (laughs) then you should hear Elizabeth Taylor talk I'm getting chills and she's like and then the mountain comes alive and there are dancers all over the mountain in like a staged production and they're doing a native fertility dance I know They marry, they travel all over the world promoting his film around the world Mm -hmm. in 80 days. And as they're promoting, it's always like first class, but they really do take time off. And you watch these home videos, they're riding on donkeys. He's posing her next to statues, you know, on the Appian Way, like at the Acropolis. You're a goddess. Here you are next to these goddesses. (laughs) Right, that's great. Remarkably enough, she comes home pregnant. So that's exciting. So they are going to have one child, Liza Todd. 
I'm sorry. I'm going to gush about Mike Todd here for a minute because I I know you and I, Erica, yeah. disagree on this. I think that I think Mike Todd was her true love. I think she and Burton got a chance to run their course. Yeah, yeah. I just think you can have more than one true love. I I agreed, and I think they I had agreed. a lot of the same qualities. God, so. so so let me tell you yeah. some just charming as charming AF things about Mike Todd and the way Elizabeth speaks about him. So they're traveling around the world for around the world in 80 days. And Mike only speaks English. She says, but no matter where we went, he could always make himself understood. And he continually fascinated her, his curiosity and interest in things and people. They'd arrive in some foreign country and within five minutes, no English, (laughs) he'd come back. He knows the population, the industry that's getting stuff by, the best restaurants to go to, what the political trend is, who won in the last election, is the public satisfied? Like she just found it utterly remarkable, his connection with the world. They're both extroverts, and he very much likes the spotlight, too. They're both working for it. He's buying her a lot of jewels and paintings. She that's, likes that's, to shop. That's her thing. And he really likes pew, putting her in for that. Sure. As they're coming back from this trip, they're being interviewed by a reporter talking about, hey, you guys, you know, fight a lot. Tell me about that. And because they're all private, private and public, but they don't hide it. But they she love it. Ne- she's never good at that. Like No, but they love the spat and the teasing yeah. and the interplay. That's part of their foreplay. So apparently there's a champagne bottle incident and you should just hear Elizabeth Taylor go off. The person that wrote this story, had a hopper, <laughs> is a frustrated old biddy who takes her frustrations out on her typewriter. If you believe it, then I even feel more sorry for you. I wish everybody could be as unhappily married as we are. There'd Aww. be no wars and no problems in the world. Wow. Like she just, they, okay, they now just the same, each other. Yeah. the same reporter later asked her the stupidest question. Um, so Elizabeth, uh, you once said that, uh, you have a mind of a child in a, in a, in a woman's body. Do you feel like, you know, you've grown up since then? And she's like, I was 15 when I said that. <laughs> so let's hope I've grown up. Cause I sure would be a dumbass if I, God, like, I you can just imagine <laughs> this reporter, like, I got to find a question that nobody's ever asked her ends up just being misogyny AF and she takes him down. Yeah. Like, and she actually says the, like, she's like, I'd be retarded if I was. Yeah. Like, so I'm not condoning the use of the word retarded. Well, yeah, different but time, back then but it was different. Yeah. She just smacks him down and you should see Mike Todd in the middle of this interplay between <laughs> them. And yeah, Mike Todd just kind of looks over and looks at their partner like, she can hold her own. Yeah. She got you. To step in. Yeah. And they just chomp off together. It's amazing. Okay, another really fun story. Like, Mike is larger than life. Yeah. yeah. Larger than life. They still are on this tour. They're meeting royalty. They're always giving a party for every screening. Here's a little charming story. They're in Paris. And one of Mike's acquaintances' friends has just opened a small Chinese restaurant. It holds 36 people. Hey, buddy, buddy, I'm going to throw my after party at your... Okay, Mike, that's cool, but it really only holds yeah. 36 people. No, not a problem. I'll just invite 36. 110 people show up. <laughs> the manager of the Chinese restaurant quits on the spot. Oh. He's like, 
fuck no. And the <laughs> restaurant owner's like, dude, please just go to the back, water down the wonton soup, and cook every noodle we have. Yeah. Like, and Mike Todd is kind of pissed. Like, where's the food for all my people? Yeah. He ends up, like, I'll be back, heading down the block, going into an Italian restaurant and picking up 50 pizzas. <laughs> Bringing them back to the Chinese restaurant. Everybody gets fed. They in no way have enough liquor for all of these people. So the restaurant manager hustles up a nightclub up the street, gets every case of champagne that he has, brings it in. Party. Good time had by all. End of the night, 3 a.m. Restaurant owner goes up to Mike Todd with the bill. <laughs> oh, my. Yeah, right. Like, hey, man, you this know. It's not going to be good. Like $700 bill. Which I guess for, you know, mid-50s, like late-50s, that's a significant amount. Yeah, it is. And uh, Mike's like, oh, man, yeah, it's cool, it's cool. Just bring it to the hotel at noon tomorrow. And I was like, okay. And Elizabeth goes to kiss the restaurant owner and whispers in his ear, hey, get your money now. We leave the hotel at 8 a.m. So the restaurant owner's like, hey, uh, Mike, you know... We're, we're not a diner's club. We can't really float you here. Like, if you could go ahead and pay up. And Mike Todd, I can't believe you're questioning me <laughs> and thinking that I really don't like my integrity question. Anyway, he pays the sure, he pays, pays the guy and, and off he goes. I love her for doing that. I do, too. Yeah, I was so, yeah. Because the restaurant guy wasn't his fault. He brought more people. That's all. Yeah, no, but that. like, yeah, get your money now. We leave at 8 a.m. Mm-hmm. Like, she's just, she's cheeky. And I love she's her. also super genuine like she, she didn't want to cheat the guy like yeah i love that yeah so they have they're no holds barred they have a ton of fun fighting and loving there's just one picture of them that elizabeth taylor says old italian gestures are better than language <laughs> like they really they are just they are two people who are she looks at him she just looks at him with adoration yeah like i think they really were a very true love match. Mm-hmm. They have their daughter. So things are really going great. Mike Todd is in love with his wife. He does win an Oscar for Around the World in 80 Days. And he's interviewed. I'm going to cry again. I got the two biggest prizes you can get. Liz Taylor and an Oscar. Like this is yeah. like he is a man fulfilled. Liza, when she's born, their daughter has respiratory problems. So she's in an incubator and something just naturally with the machine makes her lift her arm up. But it's like he's watching her and he's like, she waved at me. This is the smartest, most intelligent child that has ever lived. (laughs) My baby's a genius. Now when he, the, the Liz, his plane goes down in March on the way over. I'm going to not mess up the year on this. 1958. On the way over, he's going to win an award for the Friars Club, maybe, in New York. But his, uh, everybody on the plane is done. Elizabeth was supposed to be on the plane and caught cold and was not. She had just started filming Cat on a Hot Tin Reef a few weeks ago. But to me, what a love match. Mike Todd left the world as a man com- no, I'm gonna, like, completely fulfilled. The wife of his dreams, the... Career of his dreams, the most brilliant child that has ever existed (laughs) on the face of the earth. Like, this guy, you're going to go out. Yeah. Go out riding high and on top. Like, it's tragic. But his death is tragic. 
Elizabeth is distraught. Yeah. She cannot get out of bed for weeks. There's a round the clock suicide watch. Right. And that her friends are holding. They were married like two years, right? Like it was it 13 was, months. It was very quick. Like yeah, that's married baby. Mm-hmm. Like it. So, yeah, it's yeah, terrible. no, they married February of 58 and he died or February 57 and he died in March of 58. Jesus Christ. One year. Well, like, what, like, imagine life in one year. Though. It is the, all yeah. the life and all the love and all the things in just that period of time. <sighs> yeah, I, it's tough. I, I'm not, I'm sorry. I'm exempting Mike Todd from trash. Bags. I was just going to say zero for me. Cool. Like he's such a good guy. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think he truly loved her. He truly, truly loved, loved her. Him. And they she, treated each other wonderfully. Yeah. Like, yeah, no. Yeah. Yeah. I just, no trash cans. Mike Todd, I love you. <laughs> but Elizabeth now, right, is in the spotlight of the world is aggrieved. The world's heart is oh, breaking yeah. Yeah. for Elizabeth Taylor. Like young and beautiful and new daughter and the love of your life. Like, Look, she'd had two other crap marriages. Now the public's like, "Wow, they're st- they're giving like this is the this is the one that's gonna stick." Tragedy. She's clinging to Mike's memory, and as you know, we're gonna talk about it again. Be careful of the couple friends that you have, because <laughs> old Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds, who perhaps had a studio marriage themselves. Yeah. Nobody, I think, bothered to tell Debbie until she figured that out on the back end. Yeah. Uh, Eddie, who is best friends with Mike Todd, eats like him, dresses like him, talks like him, wants to grow up and be Mike Todd. Eddie Fisher and Debbie Reynolds' son, Todd, is named after Mike Todd. Like, this guy's everything. And Eddie Fisher steps in to play the world's most dangerous thing to do which is wiping a widow's tears yeah they are both missing him they are both mournful it is keeping mike's memory alive which is how i think husband number four happens oh um it's so scandalous yeah this was you know eddie's marriage to debbie is just as much of a sham as elizabeth was with nikki but debbie really is playing this out so i guess let's Ah, I don't know. Elizabeth's not hiding that there's an affair going on. So she has gone from world sympathy to, mm-hmm. uh, I don't record home record. Yeah. Home record yeah. Condemned mm-hmm. by the Vatican. Like she's Anne fucking Boleyn. Was that when she was condemned? She, I, I know, thought that was I know with Burton. Rome. Yeah. I know uh, Burton. It was Burton. Like I, it's all I mean, bad. <laughs> she gets condemned yeah, a couple times. I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, she's annihilated in the press and apparently, uh, Eddie Fisher's great in bed. So, you know, she's been with older men who like, so he's young and lusty and rowdy. And Eddie Fisher says Elizabeth was the love of his life. Like she was the source. She was everything. Mm -hmm. Like she wrecked him. And that's probably good because he wrecked Debbie Reynolds. Yeah. I'm not too worried about that. Can can I share a a Carrie Fisher quote about this? Oh, please. I love her. His, His daughter, obviously. She said that uh, upon Mike Todd's death, her father rushed to be by uh, Elizabeth Taylor's side and gradually moved to her front. front. (laughs) (laughs) She's hilarious. I watched a lot of Carrie, like Carrie Fisher. 
I hate to interrupt, but have you ever seen her stand-up special? I think it was on HBO. Mm-hmm. She actually does the graph chart oh, so of, good. Like, of their families. Yeah. Of how, I don't like, think so. Six degrees of how she's drinking. with Liz it's Taylor. Okay, we're gonna... And she's so cool about it. Like, mm-hmm. you know, years later, Elizabeth and, uh, oh my God, why do I always lose her name? Uh, Debbie. They made up. They made right, friends. They right. forgave each other. Everything mm-hmm. was fine. So, I mean, I always thought that was really cool. Well, they never really unloved each other. Like, so Elizabeth does not stay friends with Eddie in the breakup. Uh, He's the one. Yeah. Yeah. They didn't talk for 40 years. They did reconcile. I'm getting ahead of the story, but Eddie and Liz reconciled a few years before his death. But Carrie Fisher called Elizabeth when Eddie died and Elizabeth cries. Yeah. Like she has a genuine sense of family. She loved a good time. She made egg hunts for all the kids. Like, they didn't speak for 40 years, but they figured it out at the end. He still meant something to her. I mean, she was that kind of person. He kept Mike alive. Like, they're mm-hmm. both absolutely grieving and, I guess, have hot, rowdy sex. Here's the deal, though. They, I, I don't it's just sad. Like, she hooks him. They marry at 27. She converts to Judaism. She's eclipsing Marilyn Monroe at the box office. So, she is playing all of this publicity good and bad to her advantage. Here's how we're going to get to next one. We're going to wrap this, but this is, this is amazing. <laughs> She's in the shower one day and the studio calls and they really want her to do Cleopatra. And Eddie's like, Liz, come on. Like Elizabeth Taylor's like, you know what? I'm going to just give them something. They're never going to say yes to. So they quit bugging me. Right. I want a million dollars and 10% of the absolute gross. Whoa. Eddie That's Fisher comes back. He's like, you got it. Whoa. Like, like she made up a number that was so ridiculous. That, that's yeah. Like I, I have, as you know, I've occasionally quoted exorbitant prices to clients I don't want to work with. Yeah. <laughs> Which usually works, but yeah. Yeah. Rare, you know, I mean, if they come back with like a, yeah, we need this. Then a million okay, bucks and 10% of the absolute gross. Uh, God, okay. Damn. Yeah. So, uh, oh, and also $50,000 for every week it went over schedule. Wow. Did you catch that one? Yeah. Yeah. And it went way over schedule. (laughs) Well, so that is, I mean. No, they all head over. Talk about a savvy businesswoman on top of everything else she does. I taught her a few things. So they all head over to England, which is naturally where you want to film Cleopatra (laughs) in the winter in England. Didn't they steal all these artifacts from from Egypt and they're still there? Well, they built a bunch of fake sets, right? And then they moved them. Yeah, I didn't mean the production. I meant oh, didn't, yeah. didn't England right. steal a bunch of shit from <laughs> Egypt and put it in its own museums? It like, yeah, I think they oh, did God, that God. already. Anyway, they yeah. build a whole studio lot out at Pinewood, and it's raining. Like, you're never gonna substitute sunny summertime Egypt, no. and it like come on. And so it's bad. The weather's crap, and Elizabeth is getting sicker and sicker. She's being carried into the set. It's super bad. She ends up getting really sick, gets pneumonia, collapses. She's in a coma. She's near death. What? There actually was a press release. This is funny to hear her talk about it later, that it was published that she did die. And she's yeah. like, they were the best reviews I ever got. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, she has such a good sense of humor. Awful. So she, she's amazing. So pneumonia, this leads her into the hospital where they have to do an emergency tracheotomy. So she has a scar. She's going to live with the scar on the, her life, the on her neck, the rest of her life. This scar, oh gosh, 
ends up winning her. So I'm loved. I'm now the world's saddest widow. Now I'm the world's most hated mistress. Now I'm married to this dude. And I've been through a tragedy and barely escaped with my life. This is the time she gets the Oscar. Yeah, for she rolls back around. For a crap. Like, what did Shirley MacLaine say? She said she lost the Oscar that year to a tracheotomy. <laughs> I forget what movie she was in that year. Something probably that groundbreaking. Oh, and I'm awesome. sure. Yeah. yeah. Didn't uh, I love how Shirley MacLaine's not like shy about saying I earned that. Yeah, right. This is a piece of shit. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, didn't Taylor hate Taylor thought it was a piece of shit too. Yeah. She hated Butterfly. Okay, like, yeah, yeah. I remember in the book it says later on she was more affectionate towards it years later, but she hated the filming of it. Like the experience of the filming of it left a bitter mm, taste. Okay. Yeah. So that's why the Oscar wasn't that big a deal to her. Right. So can you imagine like she's been in this industry since she was literally a child okay. finally gets the top honor and it's like, yeah, I yeah, really didn't enjoy this hated. movie at all. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. <laughs> Butterfield 8 put her in a role where she was. I, I broke my back in National Velvet. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no Oscar yeah, for She that. was playing a prostitute. So she thought the studio was really taking advantage of, hey, her like, her, yeah, this Staying is my right current instance in life. And you're going to put me in a role where. I'm a, like, not cool. So, yeah. slut shamey. Yeah. Eventually, Elizabeth is on the road to recovery. They finally get smart. Like, it's production is just, like, they've already spent like 30 million or something crazy. And they decide to replace the director and some of the cast. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> they head on over to Rome, which is where they should have been filming all along. Yep. Nin comes the new director, and in walks Welshman oh. Richard Burton. My man. So I love him. I'm we're sorry. gonna we're gonna get there. <laughs> well, I guess we'll we'll wrap up Eddie when they're done. So here comes Richard Burton. Yeah, that's fair. Actually, you know what? Let's. I don't want to ever have to talk about Eddie Fisher again. So, kind of a trashy. Like, no, she's gonna. At the end of the day, Burton is divorcing his wife, and Taylor's divorcing Fisher, and they're destined on a course yeah, of love a collision course so i don't know how trashy the divorce was per se i guess i think he Eddie Fisher trash got cans what because he... of debbie yeah more than liz that's really. it like that was trashy so how I... many did you give him in the other episode oh uh, i think we ended up giving debbie halos we gave debbie halos <laughs> you did? We, i remember that now i think we i don't know if we actually gave trash cans or just gave because debbie was so yeah she's amazing mm-hmm. like i don't I mean, their divorce. I mean, they weren't there. Well, were, weren't there photographs though of Burton and Taylor on a yacht in the yes. Mediterranean? Um, oh yeah, they, they invented the paparazzi. That's yeah. What, bro, that's how the scandal broke. But right, but like the the divorce was not final. No, no. There was all no, no, sorts no, no, no. of weird language coming out of the Vatican describing what sort of terrible. Like the State Department <laughs> threatened to not let her back into the United States. Like it was a huge, <laughs> yeah. huge thing. Well, she God. definitely is. She's head over heels for Burton. Oh, sure. Fisher at the end of their marriage is pretty much just like a dog poop scooper. Yeah. He's picking up after dogs and watching kids. Yeah. Fisher did adopt. No, it's like Liza he, he, Todd. Was, he just seems like he was kind of a small man who got smaller over time. Like, it's that's, very. That's a yeah. really good way of looking at yeah, it. Yeah. Eddie Fisher, it's a very strange story with him. Like, I don't know. Is the trash can rating, is this the first time karma wipes it out? You got from her what you did to Debbie. I mean, you know, that's kind of It's kind of a karmic retribution. Yeah. yeah. Sucks when it happens to you. All right. I'm going to call it a karma wash. Yeah. Perfect. We can call that one a wash. It's our podcast. We can (laughs) can make up damn rules. 
All right, so Richard Burton. This is the longest love of her life. Married two times. The first time, round one, was about 11 years. Round two, another two. They were married a total of 14 years. In a Barbara Walters interview later in life, Elizabeth says they would have been married again by the time it was all over. Their highs were too high. Everything was too much. We loved each other too much. It was so intense, almost abnormal, but great. Like she even talked about, uh, he charmed dogs, cats, men, women, her too. And she sees something in Richard that reminds her of Mike Todd. She says they were both geniuses. And he was magnetic. It was just like you're talking Utterly. about, like yeah. everybody was drawn to him. Mm-hmm. Utterly. And he thought he was ugly. He was very self-conscious. He had really? uh, cystic acne mm-hmm. and bad scars from it. And so he was actually a really self-conscious man. And she just made him be like, fuck it. That's not what I see. You're beautiful. I love you. You know mm-hmm. I mean? She made him feel good about himself in a way that he had always been too self-conscious. That's fascinating. I think that's one of the things well, I love about yeah, her. Yeah. She did that with so many people. You hear she about lifted her. lifted everybody up. Yeah, yeah. Connecting with James Dean on the set of Giant where he just is kind of seeing through her. And he talks about, like, the bad childhood he had. Like, she finds a way. Like, she defended Michael Jackson to the end of her life because his father. Before that documentary came out. No, I know. Um, But, like, he, Michael Jackson, had an abusive father. Like, she would find, she meets Richard Burton on set of Cleopatra. He comes in hung the fuck over. And she helps him with coffee to his lips. And that she, that mothering and caring, like think about for a kid who probably didn't get a lot of that. You need no, to be here. He was at one this of thirteen time. children. No, for her. Oh no, you need yeah. to be here yeah. at this time. Yeah. You need to be here for makeup. Your mom controls you. Just to have that warmth and nurture. She got to be the nurturer. Wasn't there brandy in that coffee? Probably. I think that like she probably. slipped him brandy because oh, that's why. He and that a... is like the. Con- the, the thing of their relationship. I mean, they were drinkers. That was the thing. And she completely understood what was going on with the shaking hands and said, I can fix this. And yeah, she did. And she did. So your book that you recommended mm-hmm. furious love is amazing. The thing with Richard and Elizabeth, like they fall in love in Cleopatra. Those scenes just sizzle. Yes. They yes. are literally falling in love on the set. Everyone is watching it happen. Again, um, or maybe this is when they were condemned by the Vatican. Yeah, it is. Uh, Elizabeth Taylor is called out in the congressional record in <laughs> the U.S. I now, love that. there's one small problem with all of this is that Richard Burton has a wife yeah. uh, named Sybil. Hmm. And Sybil is devoted to him and understands that he is a notorious philanderer he is and, and this, she's put up with it all yeah, along this isn't going to be anything different mm-hmm. than anything right than all the others i don't was. know if she felt the way that debbie reynolds felt because debbie reynolds is like if you're going to get left I you mean, get left fuck. for elizabeth taylor right, <laughs> right. like that's the that that's the fair. way to go out <laughs> i don't know if sybil felt the same way so burton is in this devoted to my wife in love with the most beautiful woman in the world. Mm-hmm. And eventually, it, it took a little while. Yeah. But. Well, finally, Sybil had to let go. Like, yeah. He tried for a long time, but it was up to her. She refused. 
I mean, back then you could just not sign the divorce papers. Right. Sure. You know, she finally, um, I think I remember from the book when she finally did it was because she fell in love with a 24 year old rock star and she was in her thirties. Good for her. And I mean, that's what Liz and Dick both said was like, you know what? Great. He he admitted to being a little bit jealous at first because the guy was younger, Mm -hmm. but then he was like, you know what? Good for her. She deserves that. Yeah. Everybody's getting what they want. Mm -hmm. Can I, can I throw in my Brangelina? Oh my God, totally. So she's been compared, or Angelina Jolie's been compared to her, let's put it that way. Sure. Twice. Mm-hmm. First of all, in the Eddie Fisher scandal, whereas Debbie Reynolds would be Jennifer Aniston and Eddie Fisher is Brad Of Penn. course. Right. And then again, with Liz and Dick, uh, La Scandale, they actually invented the paparazzi. That's when that happened. Mm-hmm. When that picture hit is like that picture on the beach of Brad and Angelina. Yep. So that, you know, she's been compared both times that way. I think that's super interesting because that's really the only other couple I can think of that's ever been that followed. They were followed like the Beatles. They were mobbed places. Like she got mobbed at an airport one time and they were pulling at her hair. Oh my God. Her purse. She lost her shoes. Like she would actually be in danger when they went out together. That's insane. No, they were the most famous. Like, mm-hmm. there was not anything paralleled to. But she always did try to have a good attitude about it. Because mm-hmm. when I said that about the Beatles, she was like, well, it could be worse. We could be the Beatles. And he's like, we are the fucking Beatles. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is bad. Yeah. <laughs> most famous couple. They marry while he's in the longest running Hamlet. He's an alcoholic. He's plagued by self-doubt. Like, I, I don't know. They're in love. It's got to be hot. It's got to be heavy. And the book Furious Love talks about this. There's the Liz and Dick tabloid. Mm-hmm. We're so, like, we're the Beatles. I mean, they did hang out with Wallace Simpson and Edward. They did. Like, that's the... Yeah. Uh, there's they a, were the only people in their social tier. I mean, right. they actually couldn't go back down to regular actors, if that makes sense, because of their level of fame. They did hang out with the aristocracy and, you know, like... Here's something I funny. That word really Elizabeth crazy. Taylor in a later interview. So I'm, I'm all jumping all over the story, but welcome to trashy divorces. <laughs> Elizabeth's talking to. I was talking to my friend Grace Kelly, and we were both turning forty that year, and really talking about like, what does that mean, and are, are we going to freak out about this? And they decided together, me and my friend Grace Kelly, just to be <laughs> fearless about it. And Grace threw a party in Monte Carlo. Elizabeth threw hers in Budapest. They went to each other's parties. Mm-hmm. Like these are the Amazing friends. These are your too. close friends. Yeah. Sure, that's you don't have regular friends. No, I mean if you try to be friends with someone in the Mm-mm. industry who's not a, a, that all well, that, and, all that person is gonna have in the back of their head is like, can this help my career? Like well, they, exactly, it has yeah. to be a level of trust, yeah. and that's why they had to be around equals. And their only equals were people like Grace Kelly, yeah. because otherwise, somebody's out for something. Yeah, rarefied. Yeah. yeah. So I really am hopping around. Elizabeth sees Richard Burton. Richard Burton lands in Hollywood in the early fifties. Oh, I love it. In the story. first time, and <laughs> like they meet again in sixty-two on Cleopatra, but they meet again originally in the early fifties at a pool party. And there's Elizabeth and her 18-year-old hot bod, big sunglasses. And here in comes Richard Burton. And she distinctly thinks, like, I will not be another notch in his belt. She is unimpressed. So she finds out he's coming to play the new Mark Antony. She's like, oh, you have got to be <laughs> kidding me. Famous last like, words. <laughs> yeah, like I met him 10 years ago. He was an 
jerk yeah. then. He wasn't impressive, but... Yeah, you know what happens to people over a decade? Do you yeah. remember what he said about her, though? I love that. Because she was sitting by the pool reading a book and, like, not actually partying or whatever. She kind of glances at him and then looks away. He said he burst out laughing because she was so beautiful. Yeah. Aww. And I just thought that's, like, that, the sweetest that thing ever. Is sweet. But you know who else said that about her? Roddy McDowell, one of yeah. her lifelong friends. Yeah. He said the same thing that the first time he ever met her, she was so beautiful, he just burst out laughing. Yeah. She was one of these people that, yeah, she was beautiful on film, but everybody that knew her in real life said to be around her was amazing. Like, she was even more beautiful without makeup on, you know? Wow. wow. Yeah. Amazing. Sorry, I probably messed you up there. No, yeah. you're. I'm all, I'm all <laughs> over the place. So, they're married. He divorces Sybil. She divorces Eddie. They marry. Their first run goes a good decade plus. Mm-hmm. They are living with blended families. So they both have careers. They're doing films together. They make a total of 11 films together. They buy a yacht because they're too famous to live on land. So dueling careers. Also a little bit of tax evasion. Yeah. Oh, that's eh, yeah. very interesting. Mm-hmm. There you go. They would. She would actually have to put in a contract that I can't stay in England, and he'd have to do the same because if I stay here this long, I'll owe the government yep. yeah, two million pounds or something. Days per year. Yeah. 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 And I was like, I mean, it is kind of smart <laughs> if you're going to be a tax evader. Live on a yacht on the Thames. I mean, I'd rather live on a yacht that. anyway. So. Yeah. Well, and that was paparazzi. Like, whoa, mm-hmm. poor them. So they're really Richard and Elizabeth trying to have a marriage to people who are really like, there's something about him that's very Mike Todd. Mm -hmm. He's in control. He's larger than life. He's charismatic. Mm -hmm. Man's man. He has his own star power enough. And he does, he tells her no. Yeah. She's looking like she has been in control over everything. As long as she's been alive. Dominic Dunn will say, Elizabeth told him like, I don't remember a time where I wasn't famous. So I think anybody that presented that real to her, right. like, I'm going to talk to you like a real, like, mm-hmm. you're not a star. They love to fight. And here's a fun thing from an interview later. Uh, they love to fight. And you can, I, this just baffles me, this actor and this actress, I think legitimately plan and script their battles. Mm-hmm. Because they're very tender in this interview. Like, but we don't attack the weak points. Burton says, I could attack her double chin. Elizabeth's like, I could attack your pockmarks mm-hmm. on your face. You don't go don't for the it. easy stuff. You don't, you. Well, you, their fighting was foreplay. Yeah, that's, <laughs> yeah, let's be honest about what that is. That's exactly like, The book it. keeps calling it fighting and then lovemaking. Oh, sure. Because it's proper. It was fighting and fucking. Yeah. This is what they were yeah. doing. And I mean, it's hot. They were hot. But through these 11 films, I think they continue to kind of recreate that spark of Cleopatra. Mm-hmm. Um, like, especially like Taming of the Shrew. Oh, yeah. they, that was H.O.T. Well, and the other thing, though, I mean, 11 felt like they clearly enjoyed They liked working together. together. They preferred yeah. to work together. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's a pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. They divorce. Wait on it. They're going to work together again mm-hmm. after they divorce. So the next Oscar she won, like this to me was exciting. Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf? Because they are falling into their own alcoholic well, torment. They always say that's very indicative of their marriage, the way it was towards the end. And, you know, she aged herself up. And she, so she's 33 and but playing a 55 year old. Yeah. She Lord. gained 25 pounds. And she looks 50. Like it was. Yeah. yeah. And For the was, time and the makeup. Yeah. Whoever, like, all, you hear about Hollywood and, oh, they lost so and so many pounds to trans. 
She put it on. She started this that This is Mike shit. Nichols' first movie, too. Yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah, they gave it, they had choice of, um, in their contracts. Oh, I want to talk about that, too, with her contracts. Mm-hmm. In her contract, she always had choice of director, and they, this was his first film. So they basically just gave the kid a shot. But also, in her contracts, she did not work on the days that she had her period. I fucking love her. Yeah. I, she how do put we get that, that into writer? her contract that I don't work when I'm on my period. That's great. Yes, ma'am, sir. I love her so much. <laughs> well, also, I mean, if you're working in front of a camera, you're a little bloated. You're you, bloated. You, you feel, feel like good. shit. Yep. Like, I mean, I don't blame her. If yep. you're the most beautiful, sought-after actress yep. in the world that can command a million dollars a movie, are, are they going to say no? Yeah. No, but don't they you didn't. see, like, when you're on your cycle, your face change a little yeah. bit? Yeah. hundred percent you're that's puffy. Why, that's why yeah. she looked... Yeah. D- yeah. That's she, well, and if there's one thing Elizabeth understood... She, she's, she has a weird dichotomy. Is like she understood how beautiful she was, but she was not vain. But right. she also she considered herself a caretaker of her looks. Mm-hmm. So she was not going to go on camera knowing that she didn't look her best. Well, in continuity in film, 100%. I can't have you look yeah. weird one day. Like that's the thing. She lost a crap ton of weight after Mike Todd died, and three weeks in mourning, she has to get back to film Cat on a Hot Tin Roof, and she comes back and she is noticeably yeah. thinner and they as there's a particular scene where she has to eat and the director just kept doing takes on purpose to get her to eat to get her enough really food sad. i devastation i know okay so who's afraid of virginia wolf wins elizabeth her second best actress oscar that he lost he lost <laughs> but now she feels strong enough to tackle shakespeare and taming other shrew this point also, she's released from MGM and can start making her own deals. And now they really start having fun. Mm-hmm. Spending millions, furs, yachts, jewelry. There is no limit Wait, to so the she's, spending. She's, she's in her mid-30s. Mm-hmm. And she's MG- early 30s. MGM has owned her since she mm-hmm. was eight. Pretty much. Ten. That is, yeah. So 25 years of her life. Yeah. Mm-hmm. My God. Uh, no limit to spending. Somebody is quoted, there, it is pathological. The way that Burton goes after available jewels for Elizabeth. I love that. So if there's a big diamond, a big jewel on the market coming up for auction, Burton is there. It's said that he's, I know, Rubes. No, no, I'm laughing about one of my favorite stories of the jewels. Tell me. The most expensive jewel, the most expensive jewel he had to buy her was after a fight where he just said something nasty. He turned around and said, get your big, ugly man hands away from me. And she's like... Really? Oh, really? And to make him make up for this, he bought her the most expensive diamond in the world. Cartier actually outbid him and got it. And then he was like, hell no. Hell no. Got his lawyer over there and kept bidding with Cartier until he got that fucking diamond. Oh, my God. And it was so big and so heavy, she couldn't wear it on her man hands. Like, that was the joke. So she had it remade into a necklace, and it had to be insured for a million dollars. She was only allowed to wear it. 30 days out of the year and had to have armed guards when she did it. You were joking. Not joking at all. Like, it, Holy cow! I don't know where it is now. I'm sure it's in some crazy museum. But Cartier had it on display for a long time. You could come and see it. And it oh, was wow. known for, I forgot what the first name was. And then it was the Cartier Diamond because they bought it. And then it became known as the Taylor Burton. And when he bought it, he finally got it back for $1.1 million, And they say, I think it's like two point five now. Oh, wow. Yeah. There, uh, yeah, he would fuck up and have to buy her. I love it. Just piece of jewelry. I do too. Bought her art. Bought her jewelry. Every time somebody messes up. When after Elizabeth Taylor passes away, her family, I guess, has her collection of jewels and dresses and shoes Mm -hmm. and bags. 
It was a fascinating little film that the auction house put together. Because Sotheby did it, right? Yeah. yeah. 3,000 bags all lined up. I just can't. Like, I, I, I was fine with the jewels. I was fine with the dresses. And then they got to the handbag lady and I, uh. Okay. By the end of the 60s, he is drinking a lot. Both of them. It's a lot of weakness. It's a lot of self-destruction. She is taking a lot of painkillers for her back injury. Her star power hasn't passed, but the times are changing. She's very much still connected to old studio mm-hmm. Hollywood. And, you know, we're looking at The Graduate. Like, innovative filmmakers are making new things. Well, and the and idea of women's beauty was changing. Twiggy became a thing. Yep. Now you needed to be tall, slim, and willowy. And that was the complete opposite of five foot to curvy Liz Taylor. Like, that's just not who she was. So, yeah. so the drinking Teenagers, the drinking careers. is insane. Can we talk about the drinking for a let's minute? Talk, let's talk about because the drinking. Because she could keep up with any men and actually drink them under the table. Isn't that amazing? She, well, I mean, she started young, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. But <laughs> that was part of the problem with them. And part of their love, actually, is a shared interest in not just drinking, but having fun and partying and adventuring and all of that. But the drinking was While crazy. drinking. And they could do it all freaking day long. They yeah. would bring a Bloody Mary a picture of Bloody Marys to set in the morning. And they're like, you better get your best shit from them before lunch. Because oh, yeah. after lunch, you know, they start with the martinis. So, and I mean, that's just how they worked. And if you wanted to work with them, you worked around it. But yeah, she could actually, at one point, I mean, that's when he got sick. She was so worried about him. She knew something was wrong and his color was wrong. And he was told he would probably die within five years if he didn't quit drinking. Oh, wow. His liver was so enlarged. And so he had to become sober and she wouldn't. Oh. She didn't have to, and so she didn't. And so he started seeing, like, the ugly side of himself now that he was sober and her. And I think that had a lot to do with the the downward spiral, is that he had to get sober and she never would. So they did downward spiral. Mm -hmm. I think they were right-headed for divorce. Or they got together after their divorce to talk about money or something. Yeah, they did. They got together to work out finances and wound up. Crying and having sex and getting back together. Getting back together. They loved each other. That was the thing that was never the problem. Yeah. You know, they did never fall out of love. No. And, well, yeah, no, they didn't. Mm -mm. They were something. So they, second time around, didn't last anywhere near as long Mm -hmm. as the first time around. It was much more short-lived. They were immediately fighting again. Oh, I guess we should talk about why the first one happened. Yeah. He did actually cheat on her. He had never cheated on her, even though he was a famous Lothario. He sure. always cheated on Sybil, never, ever cheated on her. He did a movie called Blackbeard, where he has all these sexy wives. Um, oh, <laughs> remember no. she smacks one of them? I can't think of the... It was... She was like a Playboy model turned actress. Hmm. And she thought she was a little bit too enthusiastic in her love scenes with Richard. So she gave her a resounding slap. Jane wow. Mansfield? No, it wasn't Jane Man. No, no, no. It wasn't like a name that you would know. Okay. It was it was just to somebody that Elizabeth was like, Mm-mm, no, and smacked <laughs> her. But he was, I mean, it's Bluebeard. So, you know, his thing about it in the movie is he's this count. Hell, I forgot what the name was. But anyway, he's actually impotent. And so when his wife would find out, he would kill her and put her in a freezer. So that's why he was a serial killer of wives. Oh, my God. God. He's on screen with all this bevy of beautiful women. And it is uh, like Raquel Welch and um, like all these incredible beauties. But it's not one of those that you would think that she would be so jealous of. It's this one chick. And it's something she watched because, you know, she had he had it in his contract that she could come to the set whenever she wanted she watched it and she slapped the shit out of the girl. 
Was that the one he cheated with? I don't remember. I wish I had gone back and listened to that again or written it down. But um, he did eventually, you know, they were really fighting and things were bad. And I think it was at like the rap party or something. They walked around a corner and everybody thought they were coming back. And then it was like, oh, well, I guess they're not. Gave in to his and darker so, demons. Yeah. And I mean, she didn't just find out about it. He told her. Like, I mean, mm. he told her the truth. I mean, that's who they were, though. I mean. I mean, that's good. Yeah. I mean, not good that you did it, but not let's good, not, not lie about it. Not good that you it. cheated, but I, I, in a way, think he was hurting so badly, and he had quit drinking, and she hadn't, and I think he felt a little bit let down and betrayed, because she's the one that forced him to go to the doctor and get his shit under control, and yet he could wa- he was watching her spin out of control with her drinking. Yeah. She was also taking painkillers and, and yeah. you know, not living right, and he was starting to see it for what it was in a way that he couldn't when he was drinking. Yeah. So I'm not saying that she deserved to be cheated on. I'm just saying I can see how it led to that. Certainly. So, well, anyway, that, I guess that was her last that's straw. How the first, that's how the first divorce started. Okay. He finally cheated. So. Well, you know, if yeah. that's if that's your line in the sand, uh, it, it it's my line in the sand. It, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Guess it was Elizabeth's as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So there's the first breakup, mm-hmm. the remarriage. That I mean, it's it's just sad. Yeah, it's like lasted a year. But right, they when yeah, they got back but together. they never yeah. really stopped loving each other. No, they stayed friends. And stayed yeah. friends, and we're going to have a little Burton interlude coming back up, but, but this first. ends Richard Burton, and I don't, I, let's... I'm going to have a hard time with his trash cans. <laughs> I, I just yeah. love him. I think he was, at heart, a really good man. Very mercurial man. He's got to have a trash can or two for Sybil. I'm going to I'm gonna hold on for trash can until I get to my, he re-enters the picture. That's fair. Let's, let's, That's let's fair. hold off for a yeah. second. Till yeah. the interlude. So... Elizabeth is now single, living large, free of... But not not for long. What happened, Stacey? Not for long at all. <laughs> Elizabeth Taylor, actually, I didn't even include this in the story, but it's worth noting that world history could have been vastly different because for a brief period, right after Burton, she dated the Iranian ambassador to the United States. And they You're were kidding. seen out and about. And he was apparently dashing. Who Grace Kelly introduced her to. Really? No yes. They, uh, Richard bitched about it later that he had to sit through a car ride in traffic with Elizabeth and Grace Kelly and that all Grace Kelly did the whole time was talk about how wonderful the Iranian guy is. Yeah. So, oh, my yeah. gosh. And, she you know, I'm, yeah, I'm, I'm reading this. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, so uh, it was before the Iranian Revolution. So the Shah was still in charge. Yeah. And he apparently put the kibosh on that because I'm sure it looked decadent as fuck to oh, right. yeah. the public at home. But imagine, like, Elizabeth Taylor marries the Iranian ambassador to the United mm-hmm. States. Maybe it works. And I don't know, maybe world history is really different and the United States and Iran are not what they are today. Wow, sliding doors. Yeah, right? Sure. Anyway, so that didn't happen. Anyway, because his boss was like, cut her yeah, out. Yeah, no, like, sure. <laughs> no more of this. So she is left in the lurch ahead of a British embassy ball in honor of Queen Elizabeth II. I think this is part of America's bicentennial celebrations. Oh, yeah, yeah. The British needed to have a little party for the Queen. Make her feel better. Just to soothe the wounds. July eighth, nineteen seventy six. Yeah, okay, I, I, yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so she is set up on a blind date with an extremely eligible bachelor. He has recently divorced the heiress of the Mellon fortune. Okay, um, so he's worth ten million dollars, nice. like the Carnegie Mellons. Yes. Okay, those okay. ones. Wow. Um, so yeah, she was Catherine Mellon, and apparently after the divorce, John Warner uh, is her ex-husband. After the divorce, they got on famously, and she lived next door. They had three kids together, so like it worked out really well. Oh. 
So Elizabeth has a date with who? John Warner, Ha-ha. who had been the Secretary of the Navy under Nixon, and Ford had put him in charge of like the bicentennial stuff. So I get. So he probably had some official role, or he was like almost like a, at a diplomat level for this yeah. ball would be my guess. So it's a blind date. You know, he's a rich, silver-haired guy thinking about a career in politics. Who managed not to get swept up by the corrupt Nixon administration, so he's probably smarter than your average uh, bear. Yeah. Is, is that true, though? I don't know. I've not heard. I don't know. Well, no. I, I Right. I haven't heard of him being implicated, but was there anyone who wasn't? Maybe. I mean, yeah. You got some of his stank on you, even if you didn't do anything. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. So he was just, he was considered a super great catch. He had previously dated Barbara Walters and most of the other eligible bacheloresses of dc Why not? sure he said to barbara walters a woman like you could probably get me elected senator totally charming <laughs> that did not work out weirdly turns out you know elizabeth taylor was pretty tired of hollywood at that point she'd been living on a fucking boat for like 15 years with right. burton she sees this dude you know older man silver haired even then well, and he has 2,800 acres got, and a horse farm, which right, is got her. this giant mm-hmm. Virginia farm about an hour outside of D.C. It is at the end of a mile-long driveway. Yeah, there are duck ponds. There, are, There's cattle. There's like, yeah, it, it was like her childhood. But you can also hide out. It's like uh, Jackie Kennedy when she marries Ari Onassis. Mm-hmm. I can get on a boat and be away from mm-hmm. everyone in the world. And yeah. that not have to feel good. Oh, yeah. I saw a biographer wrote that she married John Warner for roots. You know, like yeah, she married Burton for love. She, you know. All of her husbands, she had an interesting reason. Yeah. I mean, except for Nikki, which she was pushed into. But I mean, the so, rest so of them are interesting almost, reason. <laughs> they're almost reactionary to mm-hmm. each other. You know yeah, what I mean? Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. So, yeah, they were married five months after their first date, December 4, 1776. Uh, 1776. <laughs> Simple Episcopalian ceremony conducted at sunset on his farm. Like half a dozen people were there. It was just oh, wow. super That's small. Sweet. Yeah. She said, I'm so happy to just be John's wife. I finally feel that I have a home. My search for roots is finally over. John called her his little heifer, which I guess is maybe different if you're a cattle rancher, and pooters. So already I'm thinking maybe they don't. Quiet I'm gonna. Same I will of... interject and say that Richard Burton liked to. He would call her lumpy something. I mean, like he would do it in a joking, loving way. Right. Now, I I'm think, sure. I think Heifer's kind of meaner, but I, yeah. we don't know their context. Right. Maybe that oh. was a fun joke between them. Oh no, we, she had a great sense. We of do humor. know their context. We because, do because yeah, Barbara Walters interviewed Elizabeth and John Warner in '78. Did she disclose that they had dated? How awkward. (laughs) (laughs) No, I don't think she did. Oh, in 78 when he's running for Senate. In 78, she interviews them at their kitchen table in the farmhouse. Barbara Walters also in this same thing puts together her 88 interview with Elizabeth Taylor, who's now single. Yeah. And so it is a dramatic difference. Like, to me, Elizabeth is nursing the wounds of Burton. Yeah. She's hiding out on a farm. She is letting herself eat. For the first time in well, her it. life. I know. So she has gained some weight. She's learning how to cook. She's learning how to cook. She's eating. Like, I'm not in a film. I don't have to. And she got shit for every pound she ever put on. Oh, my like, God. She was so scrutinized. Yeah. It was unfair. No, so in this interview, like, Barbara's like, what would you, you know, tell each other about it? And he's like, yeah, Elizabeth, you're fat. <gasps> yeah. And okay, no, the heifer's not so funny. The, no, it's not funny at all. So the 88 oh, interview, because Elizabeth in this interview was like, 
oh, I'm so happy. I'm just so mm-hmm. happy to be John's yeah. wife. And he's like, it was one thing for Mike Todd and Richard Burton to counter with her. You never go for the soft spot. No. And you, when you Richard don't did it, he was pot. being funny about it. Like he was still loving. He was being loving. Not John Warner's just sounds like an ass. He's a dick. He yeah. sounds just like a jerk. Well, like, no, Elizabeth, you're fat. So you listen to her in 88 and she's like, yeah, I was miserable. I was miserably unhappy. I was over, like, it, everything was bad, but I put yeah. on this. Right. I think she's just trying to feel better after Burton. Yeah, well, and she's such a loving, per- like, in, I think in some ways he became her project. Mm, because maybe. he did, he had this ambition, yeah. right? Like, he was kind of out of government, but let me continue. So he jumps into the 78 Virginia Senate race. Elizabeth turns out to be a hell of a campaign asset. Of I mean, she, just yeah. Yeah. To match. yeah, yeah. I mean, he she is part of his stump speech. Like he mm-hmm. will point to her, like big deal. She's super loyal. At a Georgetown dinner party, she saw the editor of the Washington Post, Ben Bradley, and just beelines for him and is like, "Bradley, get off Warner's ass." Was just <laughs> having none of it. Like she was gonna. Again, happy, not happy, didn't matter. She was married to him and she mm-hmm. was going to fucking be there. She was loyal. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, so here, this is the craziest campaign story that I think I've recently heard. Okay. So Warner was fairly moderate. Like he was really, the, the burning issue of the time was the Cold War. He was really into negotiating yeah. with the Soviets. He had worked on previous negotiating things with the Soviets. That was not a super popular stance in the GOP at the time. So he's in this Virginia Senate primary for the Republicans, and he ends up finishing second place behind Richard Obenshane, who's just a super anti-communist fire breather. Like, I'm sure he would have gone on to be a prototype of today's Republican. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that would have been it for Warner's Senate run, except that two months later, Obenshane is killed in a plane crash, <gasps> which if you're Liz Taylor, must be like, he, oh my God. crashes in her life. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah. So the Virginia GOP like holds, I guess, a like quickie convention to fix this and Warner gets put on the ballot and he ends up being in the Senate for the next 30 years. He didn't retire until 2009. Their marriage. So he didn't win his race. Well, he he did win his race after the the race was. He won the general. He didn't win the primary. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. But I mean, the guy died. So, you know, party had to do something. They had to put somebody on that ballot. Yeah. Um, so Elizabeth, you know, he's in the Senate now. She's living on the farm. She is shopping at the local Safeway. Like, again, there's like a little small town outside, an hour outside of town. She's having guests over. She is learning to cook. She's just doing a lot, like, domestic mm-hmm. housewife type things. And, you know, as noted, she was apparently deeply miserable, even if she was trying to put a brave face on it. Hubby is working like from he's a senator yeah yeah and he's got an hour commute and the whole thing i mean he is up before dawn he is home after dark like and so at one point um he was quoted as saying like so i get home from work i am dead tired and elizabeth just wants to spend time together so she's like we're watching one of my movies (laughs) and i'm like okay i guess i'm watching one of her movies and i'm seeing all of them over time like it's cool (laughs) How weird must it have been to watch the ones with Richard? Don't know if they got that far. A little bit awkward, maybe? Yeah. I mean, she had, how many movies over her career? Oh, oh. 50 or something? Something like that, because she was already in, like, I remember in one of her movies with Burton, they said this was her 42nd oh, film, and Jesus. I was like, Jesus fuck, like, yeah. yeah. since she was eight, literally never stopped. 
True. By 82, they divorced. And upon her death in 2011, Warner told the Washington Post that his kids had remained close to her kids, like, mm-hmm. the whole time. So the kids, not not Warner, but his kids would be attending her funeral. Oh. Well, family meant everything to her, including stepchildren. Right. So I can see that. Yeah. 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 Do you want to interlude here with some more burden? No. So they divorced. How many try? Like, I'm sorry. You don't. Oh, uh, you don't hit the weak points of your spouse. That's not what marriage is about. It's to me. true. And honestly, this. It's like he needed to knock her down a notch or something. Oh, I'm sure. But I'm like, sure. knock. Don't knock her down in a mean way. Like, there's something to being countered with. Body shaming I, women is just like age old. Bad news. Bullshit. But. I mean, you guess you didn't punch her in the... cheating or abusive. Not that I know of, yeah. I mean, the other, like, a a subplot that I don't think was... She ends up checking into Betty Ford for the first time in December of 83. So clearly her drinking and pill use was escalating over this period. And she was probably frequently alone in a big farmhouse with nothing to do. Yep. Except drink and take pills. Like, I'm, I'm just guessing. But, yeah, so it seems, I don't know, like, maybe three... Again, like he didn't, it didn't seem like he was physically abusive. It didn't seem like there was cheating. Yeah. I don't think it was a love match. Can no. I go ahead and go three and a half just for the you're fat, Elizabeth? Yes. Because yeah. that mm-hmm. just makes me angry. Yeah. So they divorced in 82. In 1983, there's a little bit of a reunion between Richard Burton and Elizabeth Taylor. They go on a seven month stage tour doing Noel Coward's private lives. Mm-hmm. They are together. It's a play about bickering lovers. And I think in this, yeah, in this seven month period, they're still testing it. They're still flirting with that thing that they Mm -hmm. have. She talks about even after they were divorced, if they were able to party, they were still flirting under the table. Yeah. Yeah. So at the end of this seven month tour, this is Elizabeth Taylor's first entree. Her family has an intervention for her. Like, they didn't call it an intervention, but she walks in. There's everybody like, hey, we're really worried about you. You are, you know, you've been on this tour. You're drinking Mm -hmm. yourself to death. You're pilling yourself to death. And she actually listened in this intervention and gets herself into Betty Forge, gets herself into the Betty. This is instant headlines. Right. It's the first time a celebrity had Mm -hmm. sort of acknowledged she recalls she recalls later no how, shame she had no shame about no, it not at all. Love her. No. she recalls later how proud she was that she did it and thinking like if other people look at that and go hey if elizabeth taylor can do it i can, I do, can it do, it do it too yeah 100 so she goes in it's the first time in her life that she is sharing a bedroom She's sweeping floors. So you look at part of learning how to cook with John Warner. She's doing ordinary things. Mm -hmm. Anthony Geary from General Hospital. I don't know if you remember when she came on as Helena Cassidyne. Oh, my God. I totally forgot about that. In General Hospital, which was amazeballs in like 1981. Anthony Geary and she, I think, had a little affairette. But he talks about taking her to the arcades one day and playing pinball. She had never, never done it. played Fuck. pinball. Like this is a woman now in her late, f- early fifties. Traveled 50s, the world, had every adventure, but she's done, not done nor- little normal things. But she's never that anybody been, else would have yeah, done. Gone bowling or yeah. yeah. Never played a game of skee ball. Never yeah. played it. Like, they went to the arcade, and she and he talks about just Whack-a-mole. the joy that like, she's like a little kid. I can't yeah. even believe I missed out on all of this. Aww. Anyway, like she's 
back of the bed. He's sharing a bedroom, moving out trash cans. Like this really does have an impact. She examines her life, her addiction, her choices. So she is sober and doing okay. Mm -hmm. Doing pretty good. So I'm going to go back to your book, Furious (laughs) Love. So even though this is not an authorized book, so to speak, Elizabeth Taylor didn't want their love affair not being recorded somewhere. So in the, they did them right. Oh my God. In the opening of the book, Mm -hmm. in the like preface, it talks about the last letter, Mm -hmm. the last letter of the 40 letters that Elizabeth gave the authors to tell the story. The last letter is not in there, but I did catch an interview with the authors who say what's in the last letter. (laughs) Tell me. Okay. They've done the Noel Coward's private lives. Elizabeth is sober. By 83, he had remarried, right? He had she, remarried. That's a whole sad thing when he dies because he won't allow, or the that wife would not allow Liz to come to his funeral, which that's is it. really oh, fucking mean in my Oh my God, opinion. that... I mean, it's Liz Taylor, first of all. Everybody nightmare. knows, like, it's just shitty. So Richard Burton tells his brother two months before he dies about Elizabeth, that bloody woman... I still love her and I know I will end up marrying her again. (laughs) Like Richard, even though he's married again, is still in love with Elizabeth. So 1984, that last letter, oh my God, that he sends her, she doesn't receive until after his death. She gets it a few days after. She gets it a few days after his death. I think she comes home from the memorial in the U.S. and the letters in the mailbox. Which not allowed to attend the funeral he writes to her in this last letter, my home is where you are and I want to come home. Oh, God. <laughs> I, I just love them. You see why I, why I argue I get, that he I is her it. greatest love? Like, yeah. I think you can have more than one love of your life, especially if the first yeah. one died. It's say, not like that love died. Yeah, dying after 13 months. I think months. she got lucky and, and mm-hmm. got hit by lightning twice. Cause yeah. they, I love their love story. That's my home is where you are and I want to come home. So she has always said, like, damn it. I know. Mm. We would have. <laughs> Welcome. People like know, when you cry, Erica. That got me. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I, I want to come home. So she gets this letter after he passes away, which certainly tests her sobriety. I mean, this yeah, crushes imagine. her. Because that's young. 58? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Around- Even then, that's young. That same time, Elizabeth's very good friend, Rock Hudson, is also dying of AIDS. And Elizabeth is... Can I, can I yeah. jump in? Did you say how Richard Burton died? Was Did... it cirrhosis? No, 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 no. He had a brain aneurysm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, okay. like in his sleep. Dead at, dead at 58. Okay. All right. Yeah. That sucks. Yeah. It does very suck. much. So Elizabeth's in grief, and I think she turned this grief watching Rock Hudson die into... he. Rock Hudson dies in 85 and it activates her into something. And she can remember like going and visiting hospitals and seeing high society women and their dogs walk around AIDS patients. Like they were going to catch AIDS and she just got, she got so mad about this and she walked into the hospital and she's like, what do I do? And an AIDS patient there was like, I just want to feel someone's arms around me because it was that, so Elizabeth sort of spends the rest of her life, mm-hmm. like occasionally popping in for a few acting roles, but doing fundraising 
for the cause that right and trying uh, to make people understand what the disease was and that you couldn't catch it like that and that's exactly right right. normalize it and humanize it and she was an incredible ambassador for that millions and millions of dollars but we're not Mm -hmm. done we still have one more husband (laughs) we're now that i've made everybody cry i know (laughs) thanks alicia for the burden interlude jesus well, um, I can't be the only one that cries on trashy divorces. No, like, no. Oh, I knew I would. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so in the late 80s, she is doing very difficult, very emotionally taxing work. She has suffered significant deaths in her life. She relapses and heads back to the Betty Ford. Oh, the Betty. So <laughs> here she meets a construction worker named Larry Fortensky, who was also battling his own addiction. He had been uh, busted for DUI the year before in California, uh, while also in possession of marijuana, which at the time was not cool. So fortunately he had Teamster health insurance. Yay. Unions. <laughs> Fantastic. And, uh, and they paid for him to go to Betty Ford. Wow. Oh, great. Yeah. Cause that's not cheap. It's not cheap. And I mean, I guess you don't think about like regular people at Betty Ford cause it's so uh, no. associated yeah. with like celebrity, you know, getting clean. So when they both got out, they really, their courtship took off and Elizabeth would bring treats to him at his work sites, which must have been completely bonkers. Oh my God. For, like he's well, on a construction know, she, site and uh-huh. but she also here's some had cookies. This thing where she always endeared her crew to her. So I'm sure she saw it like that. Like probably she, so. She was the person that knew everybody's name on the movie set, mm-hmm. like that brought in booze for everybody or cookies for everybody like so that would have been within her wheelhouse to be like i don't care sure i'm gonna show up and yeah here's some brownies for the guys exactly Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah that's amazing okay so uh in 91 they married at michael jackson's neverland ranch in a ceremony officiated by Marianne Williamson. Really? I think she's running for president right she now. She is. Okay. That is true. One of the oh, zillion, she has zillions of people who yeah. are running for wow. president. Wow. We are running for president now. Let's just declare <laughs> here. Okay. Um, ta- Big news on trashy divorces. Uh, Taylor wore a $25,000 Valentino dress. Of course she did. The guest list included Liza Minnelli, Nancy Reagan, Merv Griffin, Pia Zadora, Macaulay Culkin, and everybody else in Hollywood. There were paparazzi buzzing overhead in helicopters. Like, it was bonkers. They did sell the photographs of the... And this is something she did. I was going to say, I remember vividly the Mm -hmm. marriage photographs. Right, but all of the... Whatever it sold for, they went to her age charity. Ampar. Yes. Okay, so they had a prenup, and it stipulated that if the marriage lasted five years or longer, Fortensky would get a million-dollar payout, no additional support, but just a clean payout. And so five years in... Can I, I'm sorry, I'm going to interrupt just for one yeah, second. please do. So in 1992, mm-hmm. when Elizabeth turned 60, when we talk about never playing pinball, mm-hmm. learning to cook, taking out the trash, she went to Disneyland for Aww. the first time at 60 and had her 60th birthday party at Disney. That's so cute. That just, really is cute. Like, I want to be a kid. So yeah, she talks about her. it with, mm-hmm. you know, Grace Kelly back in the 40s. And now it was mm-hmm. another, that same interview, like, grace is gone Mm. and you know we wanted to embrace aging fearlessly back then Mm -hmm. and now i want to go and enjoy all the childlike things that Mm -hmm. i missed out on in the first place so it's a good place to turn 60 grace kelly is another one she literally was surrounded by death and not just like cancer or unfortunate things but horrific car crashes Mm -hmm. and plane crashes and it's really kind of sad it's sad Mm. grace kelly 
Beautiful. Okay, sorry, please. Oh, yeah. Back to you, Stacey. Nope. A-okay. So, yeah, by 96, five years in, he apparently just, like, according to his sister or something, he was just tired of being Mr. Elizabeth Taylor. Yep. That's a hard role. It also sounds like he was not tightly clinging to his sobriety. Oh. Oh, well, yeah. Which I don't know, given, like, her real penchant for loyalty and supporting, like, I don't know if that would have been a big deal to her. Like, maybe she would have supported him through that, but... In any case, they divorced very amicably, as far as I can tell, and they remained fairly close for the rest of her life. But he was using drugs again, drinking again. He gets arrested for like public intoxication later in 96. In 99, he falls down a flight of stairs in his home, uh, causing a serious brain injury from which Ooh. like, he recovered, but he was never able to work again. Right. Like it was, yeah, it, it, was a, it was a permanent injury. And he had been drunk at the time of the fall. Oh, no. So... You know, Taylor was there for him and helped him out financially when needed. She loaned him 50 grand at one point when he was like behind on his mortgage. At her death, in her will, she left him $800,000. The month after she died, though, he moved in with his sister where he remained until his death from surgical complications in 2016. Oh, wow. Wow. He was 64. She was super generous. And actually, so was Richard. That was one of their things is like they literally supported everybody. I'm, I'm talking... Not mm-hmm. just their own children, but nieces, nephews, cousins. You know, if anybody in the family came to them, they were literally supporting everybody mm-hmm. on both sides. Well, it she seems was just that generous. Like her foundation is still allowing some of that support and entree. There's a great video with her grandkids. Oh, like you don't. Her kids are pretty hidden. They're yeah. not. Yeah. There's not much out there about them. But there is a video with all the grandkids that. There's one that's a child. So a child care social worker in Manhattan, but does a lot of work with Elizabeth Taylor's charity. Like you, and you look at them across the spans of husbands, yeah. like grandkids from all over that are all beautiful. <laughs> like it's I don't. Like, how could you not be? Her genes have to be that well, strong. <laughs> yeah, the kid generation, like not as good looking as the grandkid generation. There's oh. one grandkid with just the same violet eyes that are. I like, was wondering who got the beautiful. eyes. Beautiful. Appears like all of her grandchildren really very much do dote on her. Everybody's very involved with continuing yeah. her legacy and carrying on the work that she did for the foundation. Yeah, I think so. I've had in in my mind for a lot of years now a comparison of like the Kennedys who like have this generational wealth and mm-hmm. tends to propel them into service and. I don't. I mean, they're rich. They don't need big paychecks, so they mm-hmm. work in public service. They, you know, they highlight social issues. They, they are very public spirited. Mm-hmm. My point is that I think that with Taylor's grandchildren, like I'm sure they've mm-hmm. all inherited mountains oh, of yeah. money and have, rather than, you know, I don't know, wasted grubbing or yeah, going to work in financial stuff like they're yeah they're it's a social worker it's a you know they're living normal lives they they don't they didn't want to be actors and actresses they're not trying to be famous like or like heading like get your harvard degree and go to wall street like yeah dude you're not helping anyone so it sounds like they are committed to it's it's this much older model of like what it means to be born rich Uh, yeah yeah you help people so tell me about trash cans for larry fortinsky oh last husband Last chance to trash. I, I realize we I, didn't do trash cans for Richard Burton, so we'll go back and do that at the end. I'm not sure that he... I mean, he didn't cheat. He, yeah. they, they met each other in sobriety. Like, mm-hmm. 
And it, it really it seems supportive. I don't know that it was a love match, but I mean, I don't know yeah. that that deserves no, they trash. They were each other's super yeah. coaches until yeah. they weren't. Yeah. Yeah. I but I don't think he was bad to her. And I think, yeah, I think they were kind of both moonlighting in the other person's world. Mm-hmm. That makes sure. sense. And at a certain point, like. Well, that... Elizabeth had played pinball now. She was ready to walk <laughs> on the wild side. <laughs> I don't, like I don't know one and a half. It's not very trashy. I, I wouldn't. I don't know if I'd even give him one. He could yeah, just be one. a zero trash can. Okay, Richard Burton. <sighs> I'm gonna let gonna you have... call that Erica. Yeah, I, we, I, we, he, he has to have one for guest choice for Sybil. I kind of want to give him one for cheating on Liz, mm-hmm. but then in a way, she kind of betrayed him by not supporting his sobriety. Like she would often kind of feed into it and be like, "I just have a drink," even though she was the one that talked him into becoming sober. Right. So it kind of cancels that one out. Is you know, it, is it your, a karma wash? Too? Once your spouse, yeah, t- it really is. Yeah, once your spouse starts turning yellow, it is a little incumbent on and you I mean, to stop drinking a, with them. It, he oddly had a very strange fear of doctors. His mother died in childbirth, of course, her thirteenth child. So I think that's understandable. Jeez. But he right. blamed doctors the rest of his life for it. Wow, did not trust doctors. I'm sure that's what and his then father of course did he's too. with a woman who had what twenty six surgeries mm-hmm. at one point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so she was literally always ill and he had a lifelong fear of him and she made him go check in at, I think Cedar sinai and get checked out and he could tell just by touching him that his liver was enlarged Ooh. so I mean she encouraged it but it's difficult to encourage something if you can't walk that line too right yeah so I don't know like I said yeah I think I, I think I that want you to get healthy but cheating. don't ruin my good time I'll give him one for Sybil but as far as everything else like no, I, I, I think, think he and Liz are a wash I do too okay can can we also let can we give him one for his liver? <laughs> I, I'm kind of I'm kind of not him. kidding. Like that, you got to work at that. Um, I'm shocked that like that's something else that I remember in the book them saying that it's all it's shocking what it didn't do to her health at the time that right. it did do to his. Um, I know in one part of the book they were talking about well one thing she did that he wouldn't do was she ate. She would still mm-hmm. eat a meal, and so she would absorb some of that. That's and how so she, she could never drink all truly day. got drunk all day. Whereas he just kept drinking, and he was belligerent or not—I mean, not even belligerent, just blind blackout at mm-hmm. a certain point where right. she could just keep tossing it back. Um, it's one of the ways she outdrank him. I wonder, though. I mean, also she again uh, had back problems. Mm-hmm. Her whole, like, she had pain her whole life. And I think a lot of it for both of them were self-medicating because mm-hmm. he also had injuries. I forget mm-hmm. exactly how he got them, but at one point, um, his wrist and arm, he lost feeling and couldn't use it. And mm. for the, he hated pills, just like he hated doctors and stuff. And so at one point, he did have to start taking pain medication, too. And that's when he was sober. And he didn't like the feeling of that. And, you know, so I do believe they both were self-medicating, not just emotional. Right you know, issues that they had. And his father was a really bad alcoholic. Yeah. So, I mean, he definitely had it in the genes as well. But also self-medicating for pain. Sure. I mean, honest to God, when my back hurts, I'll pour a drink. Right. I, <laughs> I don't have pain pills. Sometimes I don't like the, taking them anyway, so. Yeah. Only, only thing that'll work. Yeah. So, those are the trashy divorces of the world's most beautiful woman, I mean, Violet Eyes. Some trashy, some not trashy, some not even divorces. It's less trashy than you actually think when you get yes. into the details of it. I think she's so sympathetic to me. I hope other people find her that way because she was genuinely a good person. She really seems to have been. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, she had no I don't think she hurt of... anybody on purpose. Right. She might have had seven marriages, but it was not. Yeah, that headline, yeah. Yeah. Like, seven husband, whatever, eight mm-hmm. husband, seven marriages. Like, that headline makes it seem horrifically trashy but she's just and vampy and, and exactly. does this shit on purpose and, and the truth of the matter is she kind of bounced into the next relationship and mm-hmm. it, one was always a reaction into the other one she had two great loves mm-hmm. and that she loved very much and i just i don't know 
So a life, because I'm going to ask you both, like, what's the most, what's your favorite or most surprising thing about it? But to me, Elizabeth Taylor, total survivor. She has had tragedy, addiction, weight problems, like highest highs, lowest lows. She's a survivor. 79 years old. Like, there's something that I found really touching. Like, we've talked about it over the episode. She just makes these connections with people. Yes. Do you know that Spencer Tracy who starred as her father in mm-hmm. Father of the Bride, until his death, anytime anything happened to her, good or bad, for the rest of her life, since they started that movie together, he would send her a telegram <laughs> to Kitten from Pops until he died. Like, those are the kind of relationships... That's the effect she had on people. Everybody loved her. Yeah. makes. Um. Like she gave her heart to people that were wounded mm-hmm. and it really brought out the best in her. So that's the, I think the thing that surprised me the most is just how very real and she was and, and yeah. humble and like and the most beautiful woman in the world. And I can tell mm-hmm. the dirtiest joke you've ever heard. Oh, she loved to cuss. She would love this episode for the F word. Like she, <laughs> that actually was one thing Burton didn't like. Even though he cussed and raged and did all, he did he not like her sailor's did mouth. Did not like her potty. Did mouth. not think that was ladylike. And I mean, she loved to cuss, and it was a reaction to her cuss. beauty. Yeah, she was trapped within this beautiful body, mm-hmm. and it was her way of rebelling as being like, "God damn it, fucking a!" You know, I that's love it. That. I love that about her. Mm-hmm. Okay, so who who wants who wants to go next? Like, what's your what's your favorite thing or the thing you learned or the thing that surprises you about Elizabeth Taylor? Do you have a wrap up? So I think for me, like in my household growing up, when she was, you know, very much alive and very still ever present in the media, like to, I, I feel like I absorbed a very one dimensional picture of her. And so, yeah, learning like how genuinely caring she was and how like she stayed in touch with her exes mm-hmm. and, you know, like most of them, most <laughs> of them. Yeah. She, yeah, it really does seem like she genuinely loved everyone in her orbit. Like, I agree. Like, I think people get an idea of, because of her cool beauty, that she was a cold woman. Right. And that's kind of what I thought growing up is that, you know, her kids are probably all in boarding schools. So they aloof. were at some point. Yeah. But she loved her children. She was devoted to her children. There was somebody, I forget who it was in the book, said that she played with her children like she was a child. Mm-hmm. She didn't act like a mother. Like, And she was so generous to her friends and family. And again, with the set, I forget who, uh, it was Taming of the Shrew. The makeup artist had to call in sick and everybody was already on set. She was like, I got it. Not a problem. Did the makeup for like 50 extras herself and the entire cast. Like she was just that kind of, you know, you would think somebody at her stature would be above that. And she was not afraid to get down and get dirty and say, let's get this done. I love it. Like I love, she had an incredible work ethic. She Mm -hmm. was, she was known as one shot Liz, one take Liz. Oh, that's cool. She's, I mean, incredibly professional. Even was it Gilgood that said he had never worked with anybody that never flubbed. No, no, it was uh, Michael Caine said she Mm -hmm. was the only actor he'd ever worked with that never flubbed a line. Wow. That's why she was one shot Liz. Like she was a consummate professional in every way. Right. I love that. We love her. That's amazing. Yeah. Because, yeah, I'm not even sure. I'm really not sure I've seen many of her movies from, you know, back in the day. So, yeah, the I, I think she was just sort of a sex symbol and beauty icon. Mm-hmm. And I didn't know that she was actually a talented and three-dimensional person as well. But she is super three-dimensional. Yeah. <laughs> I am just apparently <laughs> super talented and professional. Yes. Aside from being like a completely fall down drunk at the time <laughs> i just heard you say hey alicia we're about to watch a lot of elizabeth taylor movies Ooh, in our future that'd be great yeah 
Hey, what an episode. Yes. What a life. Yes. I, uh, Erica Kelly of Southern Fried True Crime, where can people find you and your podcast? You can find me just about anywhere. My network is Spreaker. I'm at southernfriedtruecrime.com. You will find everything about me there. I'm on Twitter at South Fried Truth. Best I could do, but I kind of like it. Yeah. But really, any social media platform, you search Southern Fried True Crime and you'll find me. Awesome. Thank you so yeah, much for thanks coming. Thanks for having me. Today, this you was, had a good time. This oh, was... my God. I had such a good time. I love, love, love Elizabeth Taylor. So, yeah, I was like, so excited to do this. Yeah, thanks we for had to do it. Looking forward to this. Uh, listeners, thanks for staying patient. I hope it was worth the wait. <laughs> you would have bought me on the head. Head, I'd, we'd done this divorce oh, yeah. without you. Like, you, you <laughs> I mean, had I, to I be probably here. Not, I would have quit being your friend. No, <laughs> maybe that's a little extreme, but I would have been mad at you for a long time. <laughs> I don't want that. <laughs> No one wants that. I don't. I I know how you write stories. I don't want that at all. I'm good. So solid. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks for having me. Would you like to uh, tell our listeners anything? Do you want them to do anything? I need you to go in and first of all, if you're not already subscribed, I need you to do that immediately. And please go give them a five star review. I know it's what? a pain in the ass. <laughs> It is. I it's, thought you were hard. just going to say keep it trashy, yeah, but was... this is better. <laughs> no, no, I, I'm no. telling you, this show is amazing. These ladies actually work really freaking hard. Yeah, it's conversational, but um, they really do their research and put their heart and soul into it. And it's a quality show. And believe it or not, those ratings really, really help their visibility in the charts and can propel them forward. So, wow. hey, keep it trashy, but also support your favorite trashy divorces show. That. But boom. Boom. <laughs> In scene. We can't do much better than that. <laughs> no. Uh, Thank you, Erica. Happy Mother's You're Day. And happy Mother's Day. We'll see you next week. Thanks for tuning in. Bye, guys. Bye. And thanks to you for listening. Trashy Divorces is a Hemlock Creatives production created and produced right here in Atlanta, Georgia by us, Stacy and Alicia, with a little research and writing help from the brilliant Melissa O. Our art is by Sydney V. Smith. That's Sydney V. Smith at CarbonMade.com. And our music is used with permission of Ratsy. Check her out at Ratsy's store on Instagram. And definitely drop into Ratsy's store anytime you're in Oberlin, Ohio. You can contact us at TrashyDivorces at gmail.com or find us on the World Wide Web at TrashyDivorces.com. If you need more trash candy in your life, our Patreon community includes some of the very best humans around and thousands of hours of bonus content at every level of support. Join the fun at Patreon.com slash TrashyDivorces. Interested in some Trashy Divorces swag? Check out our merch shop and Trash Panda Enthusiasm Society at bit.ly slash trashy gear want to advertise with us reach out to sales at advertisecast.com for more information and last but not least come play with us on social media i keep most of our trashy divorces instagram hopping stacy and i share it up over on facebook including our trashy divorces podcast discussion group come join us over there and thanks again everybody for listening keep it trashy y'all